Perfect. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you like the little, the little jazzed up section there for you. Uh, hope you enjoyed the little music. Hope you enjoyed the little waiting room. You know, me and Danny had some. Uh, we actually had to take the Browns to the Super Bowl for the first time, and that was on Danny's end. So thank Danny, everybody from Cleveland. Let's give him a round of applause. He took the Browns to where they needed to be. Fuck Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield, move over. Danny Gilbert. Party Charlie. In the house, I'm DJ Ragnar. Welcome, guys. We're going to jump right into it for you. We're going to go right to the Miami versus 76ers for the NBA playoffs. Now, when we left you, it was 3-2, uh, game six in Philly. Uh, and we all know who won that. Danny, what was the score of that? The final score of that was 99-90. Uh, all right, so great defensive game from the fourth best overall team, the Miami Heat. Uh, they they owned them in the paint, sixty-two to forty-eight. Uh, edged them on fast break points. You know, they're in a, both of them are not really fast break teams. I mean, they no. they score when they get the opportunity for it. They shoot well. Yeah, they shoot well. Uh, bench points. Miami actually outscored uh, Miami twenty-two to eighteen. Yeah. Uh, turnovers. 
Clippers. But where were the Sixers, man? Like, it's like, where the... F- All right. Fuck where were the Sixers. Where the fuck was James Harden? I think he attempted two shots in the entire second half. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's uncalled for. I mean, you can't play like that. I, I wouldn't say can't play like that. You can't play like that. Come on, man. You can't play like that. You're James fucking Harden, and your team is in the playoffs. You can't fucking play like that. You can't. It's it, you won't win. Obviously. I mean, he did his thing as as, as an assist. You know, nine assists, four rebounds, not bad for him. One steal. Yeah, I mean, so ideally you were looking for another two steals. Uh, four turnovers, it's not bad. So he protected the ball majority of the night, but the 11 points, that's... Like, we, we talked about it weeks prior. If they had any chance to win this fucking series, Harden had to produce. And he only produced in one game. That That's not going to cut it. it. It's not. You know... I think they would have been better off with the players that they had before the trade. You know what I mean? Because they would have had a little bit more depth. Curry and a couple of guys. So it would, it would have helped. You know what I mean? And you wouldn't have had that lack of production. Maybe. You know what I mean? Yeah, but if you got two guys putting up 11 points, it's better than just one guy putting up one. You know, 11 points. Yeah, but it's... Well, it's still very lackluster. It's just like yeah, but yeah, but they're more of a deeper team. Once they made that trade for Harden, they became less deep. You know, they traded a couple pieces, Seth, uh, Seth Curry, and uh, I forget who else. But they traded that. You know what I mean, so you got less deep, and and, and older, and older, yeah, and, and and I had to pay more out of pocket. That's 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 got to be the fucking kicker right there. Hundred I mean, percent. It was obviously an all or nothing like chance that they were taking on that on Harden to like him be the guy that they could pair with and beat to be like yeah take this all the way. No. I mean, in the beginning of the season, it looked okay, but then it it slowly fell apart. Like there was no chemistry. You know what I mean? And even even Embiid saying throughout the season and even in the playoffs, like oh you got to be more aggressive, like you were in Houston. But he said, realistically, we knew we weren't. That's not the James Harden we are, we're going to get. You know? So why were you making the trade? What the fuck are you expecting to get from him? What did you want from him? They, they wanted the 20, they wanted the 29 and 5. Or the 28 and 5. That, I mean, realistically, if he put up, if he put up every game, 20 points, 5 rebounds, 8 assists, 2 steals, 4 turnovers... You know, you you can't you can't be like, oh, it's James's fault. No. People be like, well, I mean, hell no, it ain't my fucking fault. I did my fucking part. And it's not like we can put all the blame on him in general. I mean, you gotta figure Embiid was out for the first two games, so. So there's a lot of pressure there. You know what I mean? There were other factors, but. Yeah, but here's the thing: now that Embiid was off the court, James Harden could have ran that offense the way he saw fit. You're the yeah. main ball handler. You can take your shots now. Your unwarranted three-point shots, you know. Yeah. Go for the gusto. And he didn't. I think what was game three or four he put up that 31? Something like that. And it was funny. It was after one of these, after one of those games, I was listening to the guys after the game, and they were like, oh, yeah. You know, when it comes to Harden, it's like, if he's going to drive to the hole, you know, he can't be, you know, one, two, you know, like three, four, five steps and then go for it, you know. 
because he's not that kind of player anymore. He has to like you know within the first two steps and then attack or whatever. And then there was and then one one of the next games he did what they were saying where he took like four or five steps and then he fucking ended up turning the ball over. Yeah. Like, this, Unwarranted. I don't, I don't know if, if he's done or I don't know if he just needs to go to a new team, but he just wasn't right this whole this, this He hasn't been right for, for a while, actually. He has. I mean, the, 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 the year where Kyrie was hurt and, and, and Durant was hurt, I mean, he was there every night. He was putting up them buckets. You know, then the next year, you know, Durant comes back and Irving's kind of, you know, there but not there, you know, whatever the COVID situation was for him, you know what I mean? So he balled out. I mean, he, like, I don't want this all to be about James Harden because it is a team game, but a vital piece that you wasted money on. And prospects. Yeah, exactly. Should, should pan out to some degree. Yeah. Now, we don't know the future. Say next year, you know, he stays, you know, and, and they work him in the offense a little bit more, and, he, you know, he just plays better. You know, who knows? But, I mean, that last game by Philly, to have 13 turnovers and then give up 22 points off those turnovers, that's not going to help you. No. Miami had 12. They only gave up 13 points off their turnovers. You know, they shot 48% from the field, and they shot 25% from three-point land. That's that's why it hasn't, like, if they they were the number one team in the league in shooting threes all season, okay, as a team. Well, now, here's my thing. They're not shooting the three as well. This is why Philly kind of made it close and, and had a chance. Because if they shot to their three-point potential, this game was probably a, a 108-90 a 110-90 game. Yeah. You know? Philly shot decent from the field, 41%. 3%, they shot better, 32%. You know, like, that's what I'm saying. It's like outside of, you know, getting out-rebounded and um, the points in the paint, the game still was kind of fairly close. I mean, you only lost by nine. So not even hard, but if somebody else has an extra 10 points. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's where the trade hurt. So now you have, like, I say you have Harden's 11, right? So exclude him. Reverse the trade. Their two players that they traded, including with Ben Simmons and whatever, right? 11 and 11. You may win the game by two points. Yeah. Or it may tie and go to overtime. No, you're right. Definitely uh, would have a different impact. I mean, sure. Philly, Tobias Harris, 14 points, 8 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal, 2 blocks, 1 turnover. A- average game. Yeah. Okay? I mean, he contributed. I won't say he didn't. Embiid, uh, 20 points, 12 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 block, 2 steals. Uh, Maxi, 20 points, 3 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 block, 4 turnovers. Right? So they had a problem with keeping the ball secure and the points off of it. We know that, like I said. Harden's 11, 4, 9, 1, and 4 doesn't help. You know, Shake Milton, 15 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, 1 block. So they had production, but they needed... So I'm going to put the blame on it in an equal fashion. It's it's some of Tobias Harris's fault, 
and it is some of James Harden's fault. Yeah. Philly moved on from 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 fucking Jimmy Butler because they believed in fucking Tobias Harris. <laughs> so, you know, fourteen okay. points ain't gonna cut it either. So if we're if we're gonna blame, we're gonna share the blame here, and it's definitely Harden and Harris. I think it was last week, last week's episode, episode before that. I think one of my hated and loveds was uh, what if Jimmy had stayed in Philly. I, I mean, I think I think, I think Philly, we'd be talking about Philly a hundred percent different. Definitely, but Philly, but Miami. Honestly, Miami probably wouldn't even be in the playoffs right now. No, nah, they would. They'd probably be in the finals. You think so? Yeah. Without Jimmy. But no, no, with Jimmy, with Jimmy. That's what I'm saying. So if Jimmy was on the Sixers still. Miami probably wouldn't even be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And like you said, we'd be talking about the Sixers in a different light, and they'd probably probably be in the Eastern uh, Eastern Conference Finals right now. Yeah, against Boston. Mm. Um, Jimmy, thirty-two points, eight rebounds, four assists, one steal, two blocks, two turnovers. Uh, PJ Tucker, twelve points, nine rebounds, one assist, two blocks. Adebayo, I want to see more scoring from him. You know, from the next series. And we'll get to the, you know, last night's game after we get through this. Yeah. Uh, Ten points, eight rebounds, two steals, one block, three turnovers. Uh, Strauss, 20 points, 11 rebounds, five assists, two turnovers. Harrow, 10 points, three rebounds, one assist, one steal. So, they played very good defense. Jimmy stepped up because Jimmy had to. And, yeah. and they got their numbers from their their entire team. I mean, they played well. That's total team effort. Total I mean, team yeah. effort, and and. I mean, yeah, Jimmy's gonna do his thing and put up thirty plus points when right. he has to, but it's like for the mo- even at twenty eight, he leads the team. It's still a complete total team effort because he'll have twenty eight, two other guys have twenty, and then everyone else is hovering around fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Or those two guys don't even they, they hover around. 16, 18, the rest of them hover around 10 plus, 10, 15, you know what I mean? Yeah. So they have solid guys. Now, what I had written for for the last game of this series was, Jimmy likes to advance. <laughs> Jimmy can take over whenever he wants. Jimmy's the man. Well, Jimmy had enough of the 76ers and sent them home. Yeah. You know, good year for the 76ers, but the trade for Harden really played a factor. You know, scoring 11 points and like you said, two shots in the second half. Backfired on them. It, it did. You know, they, they they got production from what was around them to the best of their abilities. But it, it, it's not enough playing against the Heat team like that. Yeah, they shot bad from three. That's why it looked like it could have been contentious. Like, it could have been close, potentially. Yeah. But it, it, it wasn't. So they moved on. Now we're going to move on to the Warriors and the Memphis... Grizzlies. Fucking Warriors, man. Now, game five, we're going to run through it a little quick. I'm just tired of fucking looking at them, man. (laughs) Now, game five, we thought it was was over, right? For sure. 3-1. Warriors, you know. Game five was simple. Before we get into the stats, the Warriors thought they could just run in there, run right through them without John Morant, and move right on. But it's like, but like, how does that happen? How do you win by that much in Game Five without John Morant? Well, all right, 
this is yeah, but now this is gonna blossom into our 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 the conversation right here essentially. Okay. Memphis, right? Like I said, they're young, and to help Ja, they need to step up, right? Now, especially without Ja, you have to step up, right? Yeah. Okay. So. We just got a taste of what Memphis could potentially be if everybody on that lineup, when they have John Morant, is firing on all cylinders. Right? Absolutely. Because they came out and they absolutely punched him. They punched Golden State right in the fucking mouth. I don't care what anybody says. They took them by the collar and rocked them right in the jaw. It's like if you compare that game to what um, the Mavs did to the Suns in Game 7... That fucking Memphis, that Memphis game was a bigger because they didn't have their star player. Yeah, so that's a bigger like oh shit in the future. If they can get it right, the players that they keep around, this yep. is gonna be a scary team even with Morant, even with without Morant. Definitely. Right. So now the Warriors just right off the dick, they weren't expecting to get punched in the mouth like that. I'm just you know you're not expecting it. They're expecting all right, we're just gonna come in here, we're gonna roll through these guys. We're going to go home, get some rest, and then whoever's up next, we're going to spank them. Yep. Right? And before I get to the team stats, I'm just going to get right to Memphis's stat line right here. Brooks, 12 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 steal. Jackson Jr., 21 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steal, 2 blocks, 2 turnovers. Bain, 21 points, 1 rebound, 2 assists, 2 steals. Jones, 21 points, 3 rebounds, 9 assists, 2 steals. Williams, 11 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, 1 turnover. Clark, 11 points, 7 rebounds, 1 assist. Melton, 10 points, 2 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 steals, 1 block. Through the two, four, through the 7 of them, there was 3 turnovers. Yeah. And 20, 60, 63, 75, 75 and 32. Through the 7 of them, they scored about 112 points by themselves. And now I didn't. Now you know the way I keep stats and the way we keep stats. If you don't score more than ten, unless you're doing something else, you're not getting on the board. Yeah. Right. So before we get to the Laxadaisy Warriors in in Game Five, we'll just I'll give you the the team stats. So points in the paint, Memphis owns fifty to thirty six. Fast break points, sixteen to nine, they own them. Bench points, fifty two to thirty five. Turnovers, nine turnovers. They only let up 10 points off those turnovers. Golden State had 22 turnovers and let up 29 points. Now, field goal percentage. Memphis shot 47.5. Warriors shot 45. So it wasn't that big of a difference. Three-point. Memphis shot 43.9. Golden State shot 35.9. So team-wise, you see the gap. Right, you don't even have to look at the final score. You see, you see, you see a gap there. You see, holy shit, somebody got the piss kicked out of him. Now I'm yeah. gonna run through the Warriors real quick. Kaminga, 17, three rebounds, two assists, one turnover. Green, five points, seven rebounds, five assists, one block, five turnovers. Thompson, 19 points, three rebounds, four assists, two turnovers. Curry, 14 points, three rebounds, four assists, two turnovers. Damon Lee, 10 points, 3 rebounds, 1 turnover. Nothing. They did nothing. Nothing. Granted, Kaminga and Thomas slightly came to play, but that's that that's unacceptable. Just straight up, that's unacceptable. 
Yeah. Now, granted, like I said, we a know, veteran warrior team like that, yeah, definitely. Now we know their attitude. You know, they came into the building. It's like, uh, it's like you, you all right, like Minnesota last year when they played the Cowboys, and we had uh, what's his name, Cooper Rush or whatever the fuck his name was. Right. Okay. Yeah, that quarterback. You guys thought you 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 were gonna run us out of the building, and rightfully so. But he they came to play, and it's like it, it, that's a big oh shit. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. It's literally yeah. like getting punched in the face, like a random punch in the face, like you're just hanging out with your friends, and somebody's just like you're like oh what the fuck? Yeah. What'd you punch me for? Cause I'm here. Now. Embarrassing. Yes, it's embarrassing, but the bounce back was better. Game six. Now, I'll run through the stat line of team, and you'll see the difference from five to six. No, there was definitely a difference. I mean, you just flipped the switch. It went from Memphis to now Golden State. Memphis, in, in game six, the Warriors controlled every uh, every one of those categories, rebounds, uh Points in the paint, fast break points, and all that stuff. Ben, uh, besides bench points, and they had 17 turnovers in Game Six, and they only let up 18 points over turnovers. So they 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 had a sense of urgency in Game Six. They're like, all right, we're gonna turn the ball over. We have to play transition defense and 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 have a stop. But look at how well D- uh, Dylan Brooks played in that game. 30 points, four rebounds, and one assist. I was watching that, and I'm like, three steals, one block, and only one turnover. I'm like, yo, can he lead them? Him and Bain, can they lead them to Game Seven? Yeah, and there was a point in that game where I'm like, maybe it might be possible. It, it, it looked and like you it. saw the final minutes of the game. You saw just Golden State just nope, not happening. Just they just pulled away. Well, that's what makes a championship team. You don't lose a game that you're supposed to win, right? And then everything just crumbles. Yeah. Right. They, they understood their task. You know, all right. Hey, we got punched in the mouth. That was round one. As in sense of like a boxing terminology. Well, guess what? I'm ready for round two. Are you? Right. And Memphis, you know, Brooks, 30 points. Like you said, Jackson, 12 points, four rebounds, four blocks. Bain, 25 points, seven rebounds, two assists, one block. But that was it. That was it. That whole list of players that I named before... Four out of seven of them shit to bed again. Yeah. Right? But they had an attitude in that game five to come out, right, and punch them in the mouth. And you you think they they shot their whole load in game five? Yeah, I think they did. I think they did because... You think they could have saved some for game six and then still won game five and then maybe would have been able to take it to seven? Yeah, and then possibly Morant could have been back, but, I mean... Yeah, essentially they shot themselves in a the foot. Like I like what you, like that point that you made because you like you put everybody out there. So now you know Golden State gets those two days to study film and make yeah. adjustments. And Steve Kerr made the adjustments. Yeah, you know I mean, so they weren't getting the same looks and the same shots. You know, points in a paint way way different. Warriors got it thirty six to thirty four. Fast break twenty three to fifteen. Uh, bench points, Memphis went 18 to 15. They uh, rebounded the shit out of them. 70 to 44, plus 26. Like, like, what? Like, damn. 
had 18 points, 11 rebounds. He had a double-double. One steal, three blocks, two turnovers. Now, I want to talk about that. Wiggins? Yeah, Wiggins. You know what I mean? He's not the star that we all thought he was going to be, but he's a solid fucking player, man. He is. He puts his numbers up. You know what I mean? So it's like, if he were to go somewhere else, I I wouldn't say he'd be a star because you need, like, you know where I'd like to actually see Wiggins play? In Where? Minnesota, with the Timberwolves. He was in Minnesota uh, at one point, wasn't he? No, no, I don't think so. I, 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 I don't believe so. It maybe, maybe I'm wrong. You know what I mean? Um, Green, fourteen points, fifteen rebounds, eight assists. That's that's what you're ideally looking from, you know, Draymond. One steal, four turnovers. Thompson, I've been saying it since you know last round against the um, what the Pelicans. Who, who did uh, Golden State play last round? They played the Pelicans, right? Uh, yes, I believe so. Right? No, they play, yeah, yeah, they played... No, 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 that was... They didn't play the Pelicans. They played, uh... Oh, I'm going to check the bracket right now. Here in a second. They played... Uh, the Nuggets. All right. They ran through them. Yeah, I mean... If the Nuggets had Jamal Murray, it may have been a different series. I apologize for forgetting. Um, and I said back then, like Thompson, if they want to, if they want to compete for a championship and, and get it done, he's got to be that X factor. Now, thirty points, you went up above and beyond. You know, thirty points, eight rebounds, two assists, three blocks, three turnovers. Yeah, uh, Andrew Wiggins was with the uh, the Timberwolves. He got drafted by them twenty fourteen to twenty twenty. Okay. All right. Actually, I'd love to see him back on there because he would have been a great piece. I don't know why they let him go. You know what I mean? He'd have been a great, great piece in that team. Milwaukee. Him and Giannis with Middleton. Nah, G- I, I don't. I think they, them two, and the way their offenses work, I think they demand too much attention. Yeah, you know I mean, and too much attention as in for the ball. You know, in the Warriors, the Warriors is a is a happy go lucky, swing the ball around all all around the court. You know what I mean? Because they have three point shooters, so it's just like you know, fucking swing it, dude. Yeah. Um, Curry twenty nine points, seven rebounds, five assists, two blocks, three turnovers. You know, Jordan Poole took a took a break this game. Twelve points, three rebounds, two assists, one block, two turnovers. I mean, he contributed. So. What was the end score of that game? Game six, uh, 110-96 Warriors. So it wasn't a complete blowout. No, like like I said, there was a point where, like I said, I was watching it, and it's like, you could believe that, wait, they might have just enough to at least get them to seven, and they wouldn't win it, but to at least make it a little more interesting. Because then, like you said, what if Morant came back for game seven? Oh, yeah. Now we're really fucking. Now, now we may have a slugfest on our hands. You know game mean? one. Yeah. So. Game one and game two. Almost I every say, game. I would say more game one because game one really was like the edge of, the edge of your seat. Like, oh, yeah, this is good stuff. 
This is good TV. Alright. So now we're going to move on to the debauchery of what is a debauchery, and that would be the Mavericks versus the Sun series. Like we talked about it, it went 2 2. The night that we had the show, I believe Phoenix had won, which they did their job. They played yeah. a, they played a solid game. They got con- contribution from everybody all around, you know, and won. So we go to game six at the Mavs. Now the Suns owned in the paint, 44-34, right? But the Mavs put the slapping on them in the fast break points, 21-8. And then 31 bench points to the Suns' 17. Now, Mikael Bridges, Cameron Payne, and these other guys, and, and, you know, I mean, Crowder's doing his best. Crowder's old. But Crowder gives you a sense of leadership and defensive presence. So yeah. he, his position is warranted to be there, you know. But the rest of these guys, these role players, they got jack shit from. Yeah, I mean, all series. And then the Suns had 22 turnovers. And let up 29 points off those turnovers. To the Mavs, six turnovers and their nine points off turnovers. Yeah. The Mavs shot 45% from the field and 41 from three. To Phoenix's 39.7, so 40%. They didn't shoot terrible. So they still, both teams still relatively shot the ball well. Yes. Yes. You know? Now. Dallas responded in Game 6 like they have responded at home all series long and in the previous series. They played great defense and great all-around team ball, getting contributions from everybody they needed. While, like I said, the Suns bench has just been lost this whole series. Yeah. Lost. I I don't understand what, what, what was going on because last year that team was firing on all cylinders. Not even that, but it just looked like even in the games that they won, I think it was... Game one and game two, they, they they scored 129 points. Even in that game, it, 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 the, through the whole series, it doesn't even look like they played with any urgency at all. Like, oh, we're just going to coast. Like, oh, yeah, like we can just, you know, how we were there last year. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, like, no. Well, like, I mean, they know they're that good to get there, right? So I understand that ignorance. You know, I understand that ignorance. But you're right about the sense of urgency. But as a coach and just as a locker room, you have to step up. And it's not just step up with points. Be a contributor in other aspects. Not turning the ball over. They had two games back-to-back where they had 17-plus turnovers. Exactly. All right. And that's at the back end of the series. Yeah. If we cut – like, now, as a coach, if you're like, all right, let's just – if we cut it in half – we got a shot. Because that, that's an issue right there. I mean, that's an issue right there. So they do that and get a little bit more production from their role players. It could have been a different series. It could have been. Could have been. It could have been. Now, granted, it went seven. But even if that, I just don't know if you were going to stop Dallas in game seven. They were fucking, like, on point, like, yeah, but the question, like what I wrote, is now could Dallas finally go in, go to the Valley and actually win a game? They lost all three of their games in the Valley, right? Now at home, game six, 
Bullock, 19 points, 7 rebounds, 2 steals. Brunson, 18 points, 2 assists, 2 rebounds, 3 steals. Doncic, 33-11, 8 assists, 4 steals, 1 turnover. Kleber, solid player, 9 points, 2 assists, 4 rebounds, 1 turnover. Dinwiddie, 15 points, 3 assists, 1 rebound, 1 steal, 2 turnovers. They played solid team ball. Yes. Luka was the focal point of it, but everybody contributed. And I've been calling for that since they went down 2-0. If they want to survive, they got to start. You, you got to you got to start distributing the ball. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you if it goes all the way around the chains and still goes to Luca, and he scores. Pass the ball some more. It's still ball movement. It's an extra pass. Now. But like you said, it's a valid question. Could they go on the road and do that in Game Seven? Well, I'm gonna give you the Suns Game Six stats, and then we'll 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 go into Game Seven. Crowder, 9 points, 2 assists, 2 rebounds, 1 turnover. Bridges, 7 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 1 block, 2 turnovers. That's got to be better. Aiton finally showed up. 21 points, 11 rebounds, 1 assist, 2 turnovers. Booker, 19 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steal, 1 block. That's not enough from Booker. 8 turnovers. 8 turnovers. By himself. Chris Paul, 13 points, 4 assists, 2 rebounds, 2 steals, 5 turnovers. No assists and the turnovers and a lackluster performance of points. They played like shit that night. Dallas played good defensively and everybody scored. Yeah. Now we move to game 7, which I don't yeah. I don't I don't know why we're going to talk about the stats here, but I guess we'll talk about the stats. It was a total fucking annihilation. Bro. Dallas, 40 points in the paint. Suns, 38. That's right there. You you, you knew you played a bad game. When you yep. have DeAndre Aiden and you're getting outscored in the paint. Uh, fast break points. Dallas, 3. Suns, 9. Bench points. Dallas, 48. Suns, 53. Dallas, 11 turnovers. Suns, 12. Points over turnovers for Dallas was 13. Suns had 15. Uh... Dallas field goal percentage, 56.8. Good God. Three-point percentage, 48.7. That's another holy fuck. Dude, they shot 100% from the free, uh, free throw line. They made all their free throws that night. Whether whether it was 12 or 26, they made all their free throws that night. They couldn't miss a shot even if they were blindfolded, man. I'm telling you. They well, were white hot. Well, the Suns were definitely blindfolded because they only shot 37.9 from the field and 35 from three, right? So let's just go right into these stats for the Suns before we get to to Dallas. Aiton was in foul trouble early. I understand that. You don't want him to foul out. You don't want him in foul trouble. So you have to sit him for a little bit in the first half, right? He had five points, four rebounds, two assists, one steal, two turnovers. That, That shouldn't happen. That, I'm sorry, that, that that should not happen. Booker, 11 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, 4 turnovers. Paul, 10 points, 1 rebound, 4 assists, 1 steal. Cameron Johnson, 12 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists. And he, now, was, he, was, he was your point leader. Yeah, he was your point do, leader. Do you, and, really, do you and, realize? And those stats are padded. Those stats are fucking padded because the fourth quarter. Not even that, but do you realize, or does anybody at home realize that watched the game or is listening or watching now, 
Nobody had more than 15 points. Are you fucking kidding me? Well, how about this? In the second quarter, Luca had 27 points, right? By the half, or like by the what half, he had 27 joke. points, right? In the second quarter, Phoenix had 27 points. Luca had 27 points by himself. <laughs> like, do you see? Like, do you remember? Did you see that one play where at the at, at the top of the uh, three point line, like, at the top of the key or whatever it was, he fucking made that one dude look fucking broke his ankles and then just fucking yeah, and then just fucking and then he just stood there like, like you know I'm great. Come on, man. Like fuck out my you're out of my way, little boy. Now, whichever way you want to cut okay. it, the Suns just suck more than a girl on her first spring break in Miami. That's it. That's whatever way you want to cut it. That's the way I seen it. That's a lot of sucking. Uh, and the and the Mavs were ready for their moment, and their three stars took sure. full advantage of it, and they waved bye bye to the Suns, and they welcomed them to a complete team blow up. Brunson twenty four point six rebounds, two assists, one steal. Doncic thirty five points, ten rebounds, four assists, two steals, two turnovers. Dinwiddie. 30 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 steal, 1 block, no turnovers. They... I think they're going to ride this momentum into the 89 fucking... 89 points between the three of them? Now, nobody else broke like 10, but... Dude, 89 points between the three of them, the Suns only had 90 total. So, even... On just those three alone, they still could have won the game. By themselves. Yes. By themselves. <laughs> Holy shit. Holy shit. You're telling me so so the Mavs <laughs> they could have just played them three versus and the what? entire Suns team and they would have <laughs> Essentially if you look at it. No, no, yeah. we'll just alright, so the three versus the four. You know, the four the four players I gave stats to, and then the three players I gave stats to the Mavs, you know what I mean? Those three versus those four stats, and it it's so it's eighty nine to twenty six, thirty eight. It's eighty nine to thirty eight. It was a fucking joke, man. Like, <laughs> it's not even a joke. How do you implode? That that is. that's an implosion. At home, Jason Kidd outcoached the fuck out of Monty Williams. And, and congrats to Monty Williams for winning Coach of the Year. He deserved it. They had a great regular season. Yeah. But postseason, uh, they got tested, and I Dallas know. lost the first two games. They made their adjustments, right? And won. He had, he got out coached. Sorry, he got out coached. You gotta figure they were down two. Oh, so there's five games left in the series. They won four out of the last five. That's you got out coached nice and out played. Yeah, job. great job, great job. Now, we'll talk about that later. The game is gonna be on by eight thirty. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. I hope they can roll that momentum. I hope because Golden State is is a problem, unfortunately. Yes. But it is, and it's a. Big problem. Big problem. So now we're going to go back to the Boston versus the Bucks. Oh, man. This is disappointing. Now, that, this series did have a pattern. Milwaukee won game one. Boston won game two. Milwaukee yeah. won game three. 
Boston won game four. Milwaukee won game five. Boston won game six. And seven. Wait, yeah, you're a, you're a cocksucker for that. You couldn't wait for the fucking build-up, you bitch. You know, dive into game six. Edge into it. Levels, Jerry. There's fucking levels. Levels, Jerry. I'm telling you, levels. We'll get some throw pillows. All right, so Boston, they got owned in the paint, 34 to 48. Uh, six fast break points to Bucks 15. Uh, 15 bench points to the Bucks 21. Eight turnovers, giving up 10 points off those 10 overs. Bucks had 10 turnovers, giving up eight points off those 10, uh, those turnovers. Boston had a 43.7 field goal percentage, and they shot 39.5 from three points. Buck shot 40.9 from the field and 24.1 from three-point. What I had written down is the Bucks yet again can't get more from their team to edge out the series against Boston at home. Now, as Tatum had a huge game and the two other stars chimed in with a combined 43 points, so game seven to Boston, can Giannis, without Middleton, survive game seven and with his supporting cast? Now they they barely got production from Portis. Drew Holiday had a good uh, had a okay series. Um, yeah. Brooke Lopez up and down series. Um, it wasn't a complete effort from the whole team. No, they gave effort. They were it's in every like game. One game they were there. Like the next game, it's like I think Middleton really hurt them. In Game Six, just to, it did like not even not even Game Six. He him not being there hurt them the whole time. This is a different series. It really is if Chris Middleton's there. When, when did he go down? Game two? No, no, he went down before that. Oh, the last series, right? The last series he went right, down. Right. It was an MCL sprain, right? I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought he was gonna make it back right. in time for this series, but now or at least halfway through. Tatum. Finally showed up, 46 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 block, 4 turnovers. Great game. Jalen Brown, 22 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 block, 2 turnovers. Solid game from him. Marcus Smart, 21 points, 5 rebounds, 7 assists. Uh, White, 9 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 steals. Now the Bucks, Giannis just being the greatest player on earth right now, the fucking Greek god. 44 points, 20 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 steal, 1 block, 6 turnovers, a little high. But yeah. it's it's his show, you know. Uh, Holiday, 17 points, 2 rebounds, 4 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks, 1 turnover. Connington, 14 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists. Everybody else was non-existent. Yeah. Just non-existent. And it's like, you're not asking... For the world, like these other teams are, like Dallas is asking the world of those other, like those those role players, Bullock, uh, Dinwiddie, uh, Brunson, and they're asking the world from these guys, and they're delivering. You're just asking, hey, can somebody cover like 15, 16 points a game? Because if you can cover that, we can fucking win. I mean, it's almost. I was just gonna. I was thinking like, how can a championship team play like this or? Or get that lack of production, but well, you got to think PJ they, they, Tucker. They just couldn't do it this year. Yeah, but you got to think PJ Tucker. They let go of him, right? He went to Miami. He plays with Miami now. He's a good three-point shooter, and he plays really good defense. So you're missing that aspect. 
and now Chris Middleton goes down. That's the big key. You know, if they had P.J. Tucker, I think they would have had a little bit more fighting chance, and they may have closed one of these games out to move on. You know? Right. But Middleton, that 20 points a game. Huge. It's huge. And it even shows in Game 7, you know? The, the, the Bucks own the paint again, 48-26. Set fast break points, 17-8. And I, I was... I was thinking about that too because who was who did Boston play the last series? Because I remember Boston was having a problem in that first series with fast break points. They played the Bulls in the first round. I'm looking. Happened, um, well, the, oh, yeah, so that was the first round. So they played in the last series, in the last round. Who, who did Boston play? The Bulls. I mean, um, the Bucks. No, who did Boston play last round? They played the Nets. Okay. The they Nets. Swept in the, them. Yeah, yeah, but there was games where the, uh, the Nets were blowing the doors off on Boston on fast break points. If I believe, if I remember correctly, I may, I may not. But the Bucks had 17 fast break points and eight, eight, uh, eight to Boston. Uh, 16 bench points to Boston's 23. That's just not going to cut it. You know, 13 turnovers. They only let up 11 points off of them. Boston had 12 turnovers. They gave up 18 points. 36.7 from the field. It's about average. Maybe a little bit low. But 12.1 from three-point land. That's not good. Yes. You know, and Boston shot 42 from the field and 40 from three-point. You know, Lopez had a good game. He had 15 points, 10 rebounds, three blocks, two assist, uh, two turnovers. Like, I don't understand why he wasn't a bigger focal point or in their offense because Chris Middleton's not out. Yeah. You know, Holiday had another good game. 21 points, five rebounds, eight assists, two steals, one turnover. But even if Holiday and and Lopez were firing on all cylinders with Giannis, they would have been able to get through this series. But because even with the Middleton injuries, if the other two were playing like they should have, they still would have been able to get through. You had Portis in the last game with 10.6 rebounds, one steal, one block, three turnovers. And he's he's a good, he's an energy guy. Where was his production, man? If they got a little bit more out of him... You know, more out of Lopez, and, and, and they got what they got from Holiday. You know, Giannis at that point is just fucking tired, man. 25 points, 20 rebounds, 9 assists, 2 steals, 1 block, 5 turnovers. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the man was doing everything he, he could do to will them there. Wasn't enough. Yeah, I mean, it was funny, like, we feel like, I mean, you I still thought Boston was going to advance in general, but, you know, you, you go back to when... The Mavs series started against the Suns, and then when the other series started, we were saying, "Oh, look, Luka can't do it by himself." Yeah, but there's, and there's then look what happened. They ended up winning that series. And yeah, because because their the, their role players stepped up. No, that's what I'm saying. But like, just look at how the narrative just like that. Like, yeah, but they, like the only reason why I won't agree with you right there is because it's two different teams, two different players. I mean, the Mavs have everybody they need. Right? There's no injuries. 
Yeah. The Bucks are a completely different team with Chris Middleton. They don't even have him. And they're still competing with Boston, who has all their players. You know what I mean? Right. Tatum put up 23 points, 6 rebounds, 8 assists, 1 block, 7 turnovers. That's not good. And he's been shaky. Yeah, but his game 6 got them there. Yes. I'll give him that. Right? But... You didn't. You didn't close it down in Game Seven. No. You know, he 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 shined in other departments. The six rebounds, eight assists. I mean, they still almost won by thirty, though. But the contribution from Williams for twenty-seven points, six rebounds, two blocks, one turnover. Uh, Jalen Brown, nineteen points, eight rebounds, two steals, two turnovers. Marcus Smart with a double double, eleven points, seven rebounds, ten assists, one steal, one block, two turnovers. And that little uh, fucking sparky fucking white boy, Pritchard, for uh, 14 points, 5 rebounds, 3 assists, with some huge threes in, in the end fourth quarter to keep yeah. the distance, you know, the where it was. Um, now, we're going to cover game one right after we're done with this between Boston and uh, the Heat. And uh, I've been calling J- uh, Jason Tatum out. Now, he's had these good games. Right, and his team has played well, so it's I understand it's the same thing almost as in Jimmy, you know, when you got to take over, take over. But other than that, if everybody else is contributing, just play along with it. You know what I mean? Keep the keep keep the ship steady. You know. Keep the line moving. And I feel like sometimes he plays lazy, lacks a daisily, doesn't care, wants to bitch and moan about the call rather than hike his ass up the fucking court. And then, and then there's times now, now that now he's doing all that while he'll score like the 23 points, right? Yeah. Or the 26, right? You know, he'll have solid area, but there's times where he goes non-existent. Like I've been bitching about it for two weeks. I'm sorry, star, stars don't score 10 points, even on a bad day. It was a bad day. I scored 22. I yeah. should have had fucking 35 though. Yeah, you know I mean, in retrospect. Uh, that's a Kobe or a, or a Michael Jordan mentality. I had 23, but I should have scored fucking 40 on the motherfuckers. I had a bad day. Well, you yeah. guys won by two. Well, thank God for my fucking team. You know what I mean? No, I agree definitely, 100%. Now, we're just going to roll right, right into this. You know what I mean? Miami and, uh, and Boston. Game one. First half, Boston was, I wouldn't say dominating. They were playing very well. They were playing very well through transition ball, and they were playing good in the paint, and uh, they were getting production. Tatum, 21 points. Now, I'm just going to leave it at that at the half, okay? And we all know how that third quarter went. I mean, and, and, and I didn't know, but while watching, or I think it was after the game, I had heard about, you know, how good Miami plays a good third quarter historically, and then... Well, they did that. So I was like, all right, well, then that wasn't a surprise to see, but... No. Now, the first half of the game, though, was a battle that was won by the Celtics. They were great offensively and defensively with blocks, steals, transition points. It looked like the Celtics were on their way to a shorthanded, you know, 10-point victory, but the second half was just a different story. Like you said, Miami adjusted. It was just that third quarter, because in the fourth quarter... The Celtics outscored the Heat 31-25. That third quarter, 39-14, was, is the outlier. 
Yeah, but I, yeah, but when you have that big of a lead, Danny, you know, at that point, and Miami's a good enough team where they're like, yo, I just gotta coast with you now at this point. Yeah, I dominated an entire quarter where you almost went nine minutes, like you went nine plus minutes almost without a bucket. You had two free throws. You know what I mean? Or like something, like something of that nature. I think they went. Yeah, I think they almost went like nine minutes right. without a bucket. You know. Um. But that third quarter was big and monstrous, like you said. Yeah. But they, but Miami did adjust and they adjusted great. They put so much pressure and intensity on both sides of the ball on, on Boston. And, and and honestly, I know Boston outscored them by what, like six points in the, in the fourth. In the fourth quarter, yeah. Yeah. But they crumbled. That third quarter made Boston crumble. Yeah, you had a good fourth quarter, but Miami just kept doing. You know, every time you got a little bit closer, they they said no. You stay there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Miami did whatever Miami wanted to do, and you know. I think it was, it might have been before the half or it might have been early, early third quarter before they started that run. I'm sitting here watching the game and I'm like, damn, like, Miami needs to, like, I mean, Miami needs to go on, like, a run. Like, fucking Jimmy's got to step the fuck up and, like, take off. Oh, no fucking, he take off. Yeah, all right. That so, up like a before we get to Jimmy... I'm just saying, like, you know, that's that was just my thought at that point in the game. Like, you know, Miami's got to kick it around. Like, it seems like they're playing a little, like, no, slow. Jimmy so just, Jimmy just had to get aggressive. I mean, it, like, Jimmy knew, all right, I got to get aggressive. And he did. And yeah. so Boston had more bench points, 48 to 40. They had more fast break points, 19 to 13. This is all resulting probably from the second half. I mean, the first half, right? The Heat scored 34 bench points to Boston's 26. The Heat had 12 turnovers to Boston's 16. The Heat scored uh, the Heat scored 17 off their uh, turnovers, off of Boston turnovers, and Boston scored 19 off of uh, Heat's turnovers. But at the half, Boston was shooting like 50-some-odd percent from the field. They were yeah. cooking, right? So at the end of the game, they shot 45.6. They almost dropped about 10, 12 points in percentage. And their three-point went down to 32.4. The Heat finished with a 48.7 field goal percentage and a 33.3 three-point percentage. Yeah. So that, like, that second half, even though that they got outscored, you know, in that quarter, you know, right, by six points, they still played to the level they needed to to coast and win the game. You know, I said we, I was going to stop it. Tatum had 21 points at the half. Great right. fucking half. They, yeah, going into the half, Boston, I think they were up like 12 or 13 points. And I'm sitting here like, ooh. I think it was, t- I think it was, t- I think it was 10 at the half. Huh? I think it may have been 10 at the half. Maybe. Still, but there was double digits. And I'm like, ooh, Boston came to play. Tatum was 21. This is going to be fun. Yeah, I mean. Nah. If he if he kept up that pace, it'd have been hard for Miami to really win that I game. It would have been hard for Miami, but I just it, it would have just been a little bit more competitive. You know, maybe instead of losing by eleven, maybe they lose by like you know it comes down Four. to like final possession of the game. All right, something like that. Yeah, it could have. So Tatum had twenty nine, eight rebounds, six assists, four steals, one block, seven turnovers. What did I say? The last game he needed to fix the lacks of daisy passes. The, 
yeah. Williams, 18 points, nine rebounds, one assist, two blocks, one turnover. So he had a decent game. You know he wasn't going to put up no 20 again. Miami's no. not stupid enough to just let him shoot spot-up threes. <laughs> They're not. They were the fourth-best defensive team in the league. Right. Uh, Jalen Brown had 24 points. He did his job. I'll, all right, I'll step. I'll give you the twenty-four. I'll give you the ten rebounds. I'll give you three assists, one steal. And I only let. I only turn the ball over twice. Pritchard. Good game. But the Boston Celtics need to pick their moments when to put him in because the, Miami was bully balling him. Anybody that could spot him up one on one without you know ISO, he was getting bullied. Oh, okay. So he, he's a defensive liability. He had 18 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 steal. No turnovers. So a solid game from him, but on the defensive end, it's like his uh, plus-minus differential is not good. Right. But he needs to be coming in when, when, the, when the opposing team has their entire bench out there. Yeah. Where it's like he has a little bit more of a, you know... Or no, like, no, no, no. Like he needs to the, sub in with, with like all the starters, and he's the only guy off the bench that's out there. So you have a little bit, like, if he has Horford, Smart, okay, I see. Tatum. So he has so you're going to focus on them, where if you, he gets off into the corner or uh, Yeah, but defensively, defensively, he's okay, too. So it's like, you know, you have leverage, you have bigger guys, you know. Right. He Like, you know, you won't let them ISO. You'll rotate help. You know what I mean? You'll come over and help and force the pass. Set up a pick and roll or something. Yeah, something. Yeah. Now... I forget what Jimmy had at the half. Jimmy had, like, I think 18, maybe? 16? Yeah, something like that. Jimmy just... Jimmy does what Jimmy does. Jimmy's the man. Jimmy's the man. <laughs> Jimmy's the man, and Jimmy's gonna get his. Oh, yeah. And I say, I've been saying it all along since we started covering the playoffs. And when you questioned him, you know, a couple weeks ago, like, you know, they're one-dimensional, you know what I mean? Like... What's with Jimmy? You know, you know he's still been averaging. He's still been averaging like twenty eight points in the in the playoffs, right? Well, he exploded for forty one points, nine rebounds, five assists, four steals, three blocks, and two turnovers. Jimmy, people won't say he's a superstar because it's just not really his persona. I would say or his like his play this season where people were saying he was playing passive, but why? The year that they went to the finals and he was in the bubble, he had exerted himself so much that when it came time for the finals, he was spent. What year was that? Was, was that, that was the was bubble that year? They lost to the Lakers in the bubble. Yeah, that was the bubble year. But you have to think, Danny. They didn't have the team that they have now, back in the bubble. So it was all on Jimmy. Right. Jimmy didn't have the best series, but I, lo I love how this is just all linking up by Seinfeld, like we're talking about Seinfeld. Like, <laughs> like, Jimmy didn't have it all, but Jimmy gave it his all. You know, Jimmy didn't win, but Jimmy learned. Right. Now Jimmy has better team. Now Jimmy, Jimmy better. Jimmy don't have to exert himself no more. Right. You know, Jimmy just gonna win. Jimmy have to take over, Jimmy take over. Jimmy don't like miscommunications and misunderstandings. He used to have misunderstandings and miscommunications. Now we don't have it. Now it's just go. Adebayo had 10 points, 4 rebounds, 1 assist, 4 blocks, 2 turnovers. Now I want to see... Now 
we know Jimmy's not going to... Now, if Jimmy explodes every game for, you know, 35-plus, then the Heat got a great shot to win this series, just let alone on his shoulders. But I want to see more offensive production from Adebayo. He's doing great on the defensive part. Like, yeah. he was second... You know, a lot of people in the Heat would say, you know, he was Defensive Player of the Year over Marcus Smart. But he was number two. So he's playing great defensively. I love what he's giving defensively. But I want more offensively from him. Make them, abuse them inside so now it's it, it's more leverage for your other guards and your bench players to start getting more open looks. Especially if he starts scoring 16-plus points a game with his, re, with you know, upping his rebounds a little bit and his assists. You know, because he's like, as he starts attacking, he's going to get more rebounds offensive, and he's going to get chances for more assists. So I, I, I hope he gets more aggressive, because if he gets more aggressive, and, and and the rest of the team scores like they did, you know, Strauss eleven points, four rebounds, two assists, two steals, one turnover. Uh, Vincent, seventeen points, two rebounds, three assists, three blocks, one uh one turnover. Harrow, 18 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 steal, 4, four turnovers. And I'm going to say it right now, Harrow was 6th man of the year. He needs to go into that rotation. He needs to be in starting rotation. Because they were down in that game. The moment he checked in, they, they closed it. They tied the game. He's got to start. Make make Duncan Robinson your 6th man or, or, or Vincent or Strauss. But you get more guys involved. Make him, a, make him more... Make make Boston pay for him playing more minutes. Right. Make him make them pay for his but offensive. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with he does he him needing to be more aggressive, but also maybe not necessarily being more aggressive, but if the team can just find a way to get him the ball more in the paint or like, you know, just however. You know, get him a couple more shots a game or whatever, and you know, get get him some open looks if you can. You know, yeah, the ball around. You know, like that too. That would also work. Yeah, but I don't want them like he's been putting up the average like ten. Like he's been averaging, I think, I believe, like 12, 13 points in the playoffs, right? That's that's got you to this point, right? Yeah. And, and and they looked in the first half. They weren't playing with the urgency that they did in that third and fourth quarter, right? So they like they had the championship, the championship pedigree to explode at the half in the third quarter, get a big lead, and then hold it and lock it down and lock it down and secure the victory. That's a championship pedigree. Yeah. But I think going forward for them in this series and then in the finals, because I have them going to the finals. Mm-hmm. They need more production from him. If they can get Strauss, Vincent, and these guys with 10-plus points, 15-plus points, and he he adds his 16 and Jimmy has his 30, 28, they're going to be really hard to beat. Because sure. Vincent does what he did last night for the rest of the series, I think they'll do just fine. Uh, yeah, and, and Harrow, too. Yeah. Now, Boston, on the other end, Tatum looked very fatigued after that first half. Second half, he played like shit. Sorry. Yes, stars don't score ten points. That's I'm still gonna get on them about that if they don't advance and they don't go to the finals, because you're the star. You're one of the faces around the league. Now you have another role star player because he could be a number one on a on a shitty team. And that's Jalen Brown. Right. right? If, you, if you look at the, if you look at the 
fucking the, if you look at their stats, four guys did the score, did the did the scoring for the for the Celtics. Yeah. Everybody else, nothing. Nothing. I mean, they had defensive presence in that first half with their blocks and stuff like that. You but, know. They were, but, but based off this, there's no way they were going to keep pace with that. No. No. And, and, and Miami, like I said, they had a shitty half. They had, like, you know, it's game one. It's like a boxing match. You're going to feel each other out. You, now, yeah. Like, they went into that half, and Eric Spolstra had a plan. Look, we're going to fucking explode on these motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not going to let this shit fly. You know? Let's let's go out there. Let's turn up on these motherfuckers and show them what it's gonna be like this whole series. Oh yeah, yeah. you thought you had us. You thought you was gonna come out and do your thing and drop and you know, uh, that shit stopped immediately. Possession one of the fucking third quarter. Like, like looking at like looking at, at here, it's like all right. So the biggest thing I think is like fucking Grant Williams at twenty seven point game seven in the last series. Which, well, that, which yeah, that, that, that's a defensive breakdown from fucking Milwaukee. How no, do you let no, a guy... No, he, he, he lost 35 minutes last night and put up seven points. Yeah. 35 minutes. Yeah, but here's, here's the thing, Danny. Game seven against Milwaukee. All right, all year, Williams, right? He's averaged 40% from the three-point line and, and like 40 from the field, right? So that's, a, that's, that's on fucking the coach of Milwaukee. How do you let a spot-up shooter like that take 17 shots? Yeah. Like, you have to have accountability for that, that they have a guy on their lineup that at any moment could come in and, and swap four threes, and that's 12 fucking points right there. So Miami knew that. And like you said, how many points? How many? How will he play, 35 minutes? 35 minutes. Seven points. Yeah, Miami knew what the fuck it was. Look, people forget they were the fourth best defensive team in the league, right? That's crazy. Miami's got a chip on their shoulder, man. And if the, the way that, the way they're playing, I, I the way I see it right now, barring you know the future games coming up, but that game one, if they could just repeat that, not that one quarter, but like repeat that intensity and, and that, like. On both sides of court, offensively, stealing the ball, working the ball, you know what I mean? Just doing everything they did, and they extend that in a couple quarters instead of just one. It's it's scary for anybody who plays them. It is, because like you, like you were saying, you know, if, if they do what they did, but like not have that explosive third quarter, and they, it, even if it's not Boston keeping pace with them, but it's Miami staying at the pace with Boston like they did in the first half, but not have the explosive third quarter, at the end, uh, Miami still would have won. Yeah, from, uh, yeah because the way that everybody else played. Or, you know, but still. It's so like, the game may have been closer, but relatively. Miami still would have won, regardless. Yeah, because Miami just played. Miami had a, a shaky first half. They adjusted. Then they, they, okay, let's execute. And they executed. So now I think going into game two, I think. They're going to try to punch Boston in the mouth that first quarter. They're going to try to lay a 10-point spot on them. And the second quarter, they're just going to try to coast with them and field them out. Make them exert themselves more than, like, they're going to... I have a feeling, and, and we'll see. If I'm wrong, tweet me. I have a feeling Jalen, uh, not Jalen, uh, 
Yeah, Jalen Brown will be the leading scorer for Boston next game, and Tatum will have 22 points or less. And they'll lose. And they'll probably get Marcus Smart back, but they're not going to get Horford back yet. Now, Horford's a big piece. Even if they get Horford, I'm not saying you don't get a veteran defensive presence from Horford, but he's not going to have that one game in the last series where he put put up 22 in that one game or 19. Yeah, or something like that. I think he put up 30 or or something like that. I don't see him as a big plus moving forward if we were to get him back. Yeah, but smart. Yes, he's a, he's Milwaukee, Milwaukee wasn't the Milwaukee wasn't a top five defense. No, but still, like no, no, no. I'm agreeing with you. Like the Heat are a top five defense. They played like a number one defense last night. Right. Especially in that third quarter. If they can play like that in multiple quarters, it's gonna be fucking scary for whoever fucking wants to stand in front of them. Yeah. Definitely. You know, and, and I think if the Heat. Beat these Celtics in five games, and whoever they play in the in the in the finals, I think they're gonna I think they're gonna already have that mentality of like I don't care who the fuck you are, we're gonna bulldoze you. Well, like you said, and I agree. I, I have them as my team going to to the NBA Finals out the East. That's not who I originally chose, but you know what? I'm a Laker fan. I'd rather see anybody other than Boston or Golden State win. I've had, I've had enough of Golden State and well, I don't want Boston having a one championship advantage over the Lakers, so. Yeah, well, that's who's fine. I understand that. Hopefully. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, now if Boston manages, because they have a really good coach. I think his name is Emo Ikul. I, I don't want to mispronounce yeah, it. Pardon me. But I, I, I do recall, I think his first name is Emo. He's a great coach. Now, in the games versus Milwaukee, who's a championship team just without one of their stars, after that first game, you know, they cleaned up the fast break. You know, Boston has a problem with their fast break, right? So now going forward, if Miami can exploit that to a fucking, uh, like, another factor, it's going to even be more hard for Boston to come back and win. Yeah, because it's like, like, like you were saying in, uh, in the beginning of this, Miami's not really that, that fast break running team. But, I mean, you got Jimmy... You got Tyler. Why can't you be that running fast break team? Why can't you win another year and outrun Boston and they got to keep up with you? Now, if they got to keep up with you, they're going to break apart more. Yeah. They can't keep up. Yeah, I agree. And and they were off those steals. Like, Tatum's back-to-back passes where he just lollygagged him and Jimmy was like, yeah, mine, mine. You know what I mean? Slam one down, pass the two. Yeah, like, he had that block where he fucking... He had that nice block in the fucking corner. Oh, on Tatum, too. And was, yo, yeah, and he had a block right there in the last year. I'm like, yo, Jimmy's a man, bro. Like, yo, Jimmy's everywhere. Yes, Jimmy does everything. Like, four steals, three blocks. Kept turnovers underneath two. And we were talking about it as the game was going on. Like, this was prior to him finishing the quarter. You know, like, see... He doesn't, I, I, I said, he, like, he doesn't have to fucking put up 30 or 40. If he does a little bit of everything, if he does a little bit of everything, and he gives you 40. He, ba- he basically put up like a Michael Jordan-esque game. 41, 9 rebounds, 5 assists, 4 steals, 3 blocks. Yeah. And two, he had a Michael Jordan game. Now, he's not Mike. I'm not saying he's Mike, but he had a Mike type of game. I don't need to have a double or a triple double or anything like this. I'm gonna have defensive intensity. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna steal the ball. I'm gonna block the ball. I'm not gonna turn the ball over. I'm gonna assist when I need to. I'm gonna rebound. I'm gonna grab the boards, and I'm gonna fucking put up. I'm gonna hit my mid ranges, hit my spot up threes when I can, clog the lane, get to the line, and, and hit my free throws. Yeah. He's playing a Michael Jordan style of game. I agree. So let's take a thirty second break. And then we'll get back to our NBA discussion. And then we'll move on to the NFL. All right. All right. So we'll be back in 30 seconds, folks. Big man! Alright, so we're going to have about another 10 minutes of our NBA section, and we're going to open up with uh, some conversations that have been going on throughout the week. Uh, number one is Patrick Beverly's comments about CP3. Holy shit. Now, he, called, he referred to him as a cone on defense. Like when you run like summer drills and you practice and you moves, and you have to go to cone, to cone, to cone. When you right. make the move, what the cone do? Nothing. And he goes, that's what he is. Now, when you're an analyst, you're supposed to have opinions like that. But he's a guest analyst. Now, Pat ain't no Hall of Famer. No. Like Chris Paul is. Great tenacity at defense and heart and, and, and scrappiness in the game. Sure. You know what I mean? Uh, he, he's, the, he's the type of player you want on your team. Now, he did open up and said, you know, we, you know, guaranteed Chris Paul's a Hall of Famer. We know this. First ballot, he's done great things. We know this. But I think people are a little bit like, how to say this? I think people are, are taking it to heart too much. He's talking about the Chris Paul of now. I'm not talking about Chris Paul overall. You know what I mean? Right now, he's 39. He's slower. 
Jimmy doesn't have I thought he was 39 He's been playing for a long time Yeah. You know what I mean? So he's slower Doesn't have the full head of steam of gas that he wants You know what I mean And, and he's undersized you know what I mean Granted his intelligence in the game And the way he moves the ball around when, when teams let him As we've seen When they played the Pelicans and that guy Jose Alvarado and their, and their point guards, they got up on them, make him uncomfortable, and that's his thing. When he gets uncomfortable, he gets pissed off, then he starts getting texts and all this shit. You know, it, it. He's not who he was, and I think Pat has a point. Maybe he was wowing or you know calling him a cone. You know, he was a defensive player of the year a couple times. But now compared now but be now compared to the way Pat plays defense, that's why I can say like I can I can understand it. Pat, you play the you play defense with a different intensity that, that Chris Paul doesn't play with, even when he was in his prime. He was a great defender in his prime, yes, but he didn't play with that tenacity. Just play you know, defense. You know, you know Chris Paul, man. We sit the fuck down and shh. We play the game. That's what I think, honestly. I think, I, honestly, I think that's an unnecessary jab with Chris Paul. Yes, he had a bad series, but the guy's a future Hall of Famer. Come on, man. Yeah. But, all right. So, so, all right. So then, can we agree to disagree that maybe he should have went about it in a different way in saying it? Maybe if he like if he said it in a way as such like, well you know he's older now he's lost his step, so you know guys aren't really too worried about playing him as as opposed to be worried about playing Stephen Curry the next night or you know LeBron James or something like that. I mean yes yeah so yes to that extent yeah. So if he said it like that, we really wouldn't be upset with Beverly at all. Yeah. Right? We would just be like, all right, you know, you got a point. You know what I mean? He definitely got a point. You know, it's not like when he was in his prime, when he was with the Hornets, or then, you know, like when he was with the Hornets, he, that was his prime, where he was fucking absolutely filthy. Mm. You know what I mean? So, back then, yeah, maybe you'd be worried about playing Chris Paul defensively and shit like that, you know, because everything that he's doing, he's fast. Agile doesn't you know he doesn't have to dunk. He can lay it up. He can pass it. He can rebound. You know what I mean? But all right, all right yeah. So we'll like I I'm not that butthurt about it. You know what I mean? Patrick, that that's that's who Patrick Beverly is. You know what I mean? Yeah, but honestly, by the time his career is over, he only gonna be happy with Chris Paul. No, but maybe we'll be talking about him in just like uh, like a Tony Allen. Type of way. Tony Allen was like Tony Allen averaged like what fifteen, seven boards, you know, like four, like two or three assists. But he we'll, averaged like. We'll, we'll see if we make that comparison in a few years. I'm not gonna go on. No, I would. I wouldn't put him above Tony Allen. I'm no, saying in a conversation of maybe like Tony. Yeah, but I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't even go out there and suggest something like that. Look, if if Kobe Bryant says you're the hardest defender I've ever played against, you're valid. And yeah, that was, that was Tony Allen, you know, and and that was those Memphis teams back in the day, Connolly, Randolph, Allen, O.J. Mayo, 
Not even that. that. Those, those Celtics teams, too, when they, they played the Lakers and the Celtics in the NBA, in the NBA Finals. On paper, though, I'd be more scared of the Memphis team. It was young with kind of like, you know, guys in their prime, right, that were still re- respectively young. Yeah. I mean, I just think they were poorly coached and they didn't, like, maximize the talent they had there. Come on, you had, a, you had a Mike Conley in his prime, right? Tony Allen, edge of his prime. Zach Randolph, prime. Uh, Gasol, prime. Um, and you had both Gasol brothers, right? At one point. Uh, I think so. Yeah, but like I, I always thought the younger brother was better. Mark, I think Mark is better. I think Mark is a better overall player. Yeah, yeah Pat's definitely a better scorer. Yeah, but Mark can score too. Yes, but, you know. But pairing I, him with Zach Randolph, Tony Allen, Mike Conley, OJ Mayo, and, and the other players they had on that team was fucking woo. Like, I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't understand for the life of me. Like, they went to the playoffs those, like, those years they had those teams, but how they didn't win a championship was, like, it yeah. boggled my fucking mind. I forgot what his name was. I think he was some, like, some Serbian dude or whatever. He was, uh... You're lagging a little bit. You gotta close down those browsers. Yeah, I'm trying to. He, he was the, um... I forgot what his name was. He was, like, a point guard, or shooting guard, Ruby or Ruby something. Oh, Ricky Rubio. Yeah, yeah, go. Was that him, too? Was that the right team? Was that, that... Yeah, he played for the Timberwolves. Okay, see, so yeah, so they had him, too, like... But he had an injury. That's why they brought in Beverly. All right, so now the second rumor coming out of that, you know, that implosion that the Suns had is they're trying to, the the rumor is that they're going to deal DeAndre Ayton. Now, for the life of me, I don't know why the fuck that would even be a thought in your mind. Now, unloading bridges, pain, Paul and a couple other guys. All right, you know what I mean? Usually, usually, like, history shows us in sports, when you have a meltdown like that in any aspect or any sport, shit changes immediately. And if it doesn't, we, we usually see the fucking, the, the fucking plane crash. Now, I don't want to see the Suns take that plane crash. I really don't. I want to see them keep rising when... You know, no, I like I expect with those changes they'll take a dip, but they'll still be playoff bound, right? I definitely want to see them win a championship yeah. for sure. I, absolutely, like I want to see them take that dip and then take then ascend up. But it's got to start by getting younger, not by getting rid of one of your one of the best centers in the league and holding on to an old point guard and a like you know a potential superstar shooting guard. And, I mean, I'm not saying hold on to Chris Paul, but I mean look like. Just for the sake of saying and talking about it, I don't know what it would be in return, but I mean, if you're going to get what you want in return for Aiden, and it's the right guy or the perfect package, quote-unquote. What if you get Anthony Davis and the Lakers get uh, Aiden? Hey, Aiden stays healthy. Aiden plays. I'm I'm a Laker fan. I want that because Aiden's young. Young. I don't know as a Sun fan or, or as, a, the, uh, as a Suns organization if I'm willing to trade Aiden, knowing what I have, 
and knowing that okay, yeah, I know what AD has done, but he hasn't been healthy the last two so, years. So, so I give so the Lakers in sense give you AD a draft pick and uh. What draft pick? They don't have it. Oh, it's gonna be up there. You gonna give up another future draft pick? They didn't have a draft pick this year. You give them more draft picks. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Look. We talked. We talked about it last night. The GM there, he's only got a short leash, so he has to do something. He's got to make a splash. And Jeannie knows what she's doing, so maybe sacrificing one draft pick more to get a, a healthier guy that that plays certain better aspects, and you can build around him, where he's already proven. Look, I can play with a dominant shooting guard, right? And 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 we move the ball, and it's like. It doesn't all have to be circled around him, but he can be used as a plus. A vital piece. A vital piece. Like if he drops 23 and his 10 rebounds and his four assists and two blocks and one steal and three turnovers, that's fucking great. Yeah. And and here's the plus about it. Yeah, Anthony Davis can score more points and, and do this and a little bit better and shit like that. But Aiden plays 82 fucking games. Yeah, you know I mean? And plays in the playoffs. Yeah. I would love that deal as far as a Laker fan answer, but I just, I'm against giving up more draft capital. Like, just, no. Well, you don't have, like, really that much. All right, so you trade Davis and, and, and Westbrook. Fine. For, for, for Aiden and Paul. Or, or not, okay, whatever. We'll take, uh, fine, okay. I'm Actually, I, I like that move. No draft picks included. Just, just straight swap. Yep. So... I think the Suns would be even better off. If, if Anthony Davis stays healthy and, and Russell Westbrook can play the way he did in Washington and shit like that, like freely, you know what I mean? And have people to pass to and be aggressive and rebound and assist. Westbrook still going to need an extension because he's technically going to be a free agent, I think. Yeah, but that's fine. He'll take. Yeah, but he'll bet on himself or he'll take like a short deal to, to, to a potential place to go to like win a championship. Yeah. Where there's young talent around you, and you you getting your homie Anthony Davis, hopefully he stays fucking healthy. Or Monty yeah. or Monty Williams is the smart enough coach to, to say, look, you're not playing 30 games. You're gonna play 52 games, but you're not playing 30 games. You know what? I'd rather sit you 30 games throughout the season and have you healthy for the playoffs. Right. I mean, it sucks that you know you're gonna pay him. Buku money and it's got to be like that. Now maybe yeah, I'll be. It's just so fucking unfortunate. He went from being such a superstar and everything, and then he comes to LA and then he's always hurt. He hurt all the time. Yeah, I mean. And that was a move I was really happy to see them make too. Yeah, I mean it was it was a great move, and he wanted to go someplace else. But I get I bet you now he's kicking himself in the ass. And I don't know what Well, no, he may not be kicking himself in the ass. I know the Lakers are. I mean, you got a cheap championship out of a shortened season and in a bubble. I don't even consider that a championship. See, I, I, I don't either. Like, the difference, like, football, I'll count that because, you know what, they still travel. Minus the fans, they still traveled, you know what I mean? And then in certain places, they had limited fans. Yeah. With the travel and everything is still involved, you know what I mean? And the element of COVID. So I count that more than I would count the NBA's bubble. Or the or, baseball's bubble. Or the baseball's. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, but they didn't play the full season. Football played yeah. the entire fucking season. They did right. makeups every day. They played their entire well, season. I mean, you gotta think COVID or not, fucking no matter what. Like, like, like we, we were talking, talking about with the, uh, the strike or whatever with baseball. Nothing is gonna stop a football season from going going into full effect. There's no way that ever happens. Come on, bro. They put they put a, they put they put they put America on hold for COVID for the Super Bowl. They had that big Super Bowl event right after it. What happened? The nation went on shutdown a week later. Yep. America loves football so much that a viral disease that can kill everybody, no, gotta wait. We gotta have this fucking game, which I'm happy about. Thanks for having that game, but I think we could have waited. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or did it in an empty stadium. You still would have got the TV numbers. Yeah, fans would have been pissed. But look, it's a fucking worldwide disease where it's killing people. But no, to your point, we going to have this season one way or another. Yep. Look, we'll take an L, but we're still going to have it. Well, we can at least let the season ticket holders come to the game and just keep them separated in sections. Yeah, which they did. No, it's like, it's like yeah, yeah, go fuck yourself, all right? <laughs> Like, seriously. Like, that's bullshit. All right, let's move on to uh, grading drafts and teams. Uh, we're moving on to the AFC South. Danny, why don't you set us off uh, with one of your teams, which would be either... Houston or... is the first team I did. All right, so let's hear Houston, sir. All right, so with the... Third pick in the first round, Houston took defensive back Derek Stingley at LSU. I didn't think he was gonna drop. I didn't think he was gonna go that high. I thought no, but he's a good he's a good corner. I think honestly, I think he's the best corner in the draft. That's my opinion. They gave him a six point five prospect grade, which gives him the boomer bust potential. Uh, six foot. 190 pounds. He didn't have a 40 time because he was recovering from a foot injury at the time. But that's fine. I mean, you know he's fast. Yeah. You know, he played well at LSU. Granted, you know. I think he's a little bit more physical than Sauce. I think he's a little bit more lengthy. Not lengthy, but I think he plays his body. A lot more aggressive. Yeah, he plays more aggressive and and he trusts himself a little bit more than Sauce. Where Sauce is. Sauce is aggressive too, but he's more of a read it. He's more of a knowledge type of guy. Where Stingley's going to. You know what? Fuck this. I'm gonna manipulate your route. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you're trying to do that that you know that that five yard in route. Well, guess what? You're doing a three yard fucking drag now, bitch. He's gonna be more like a Trayvon Diggs kind of player, where it's like he's gonna take the chance and try to hit that home run, and you know, and and, and try to change yes. the game and turn turn a game around. Yes. Yes. You know, and granted, it it sucks when it doesn't work, but if but that's it works a sh- just slightly more than it doesn't work, I take it. And, you know, he's that kind of player. I definitely think he is. Well, I think having a player like that is great. You know what I mean? Because you have a guy who's willing to bet on himself, right, and take that chance where it's like almost like a 50-50. Look, either either the quarterback's going to make that amazing throw where he just gets it over his hands or in that spot, or yeah. he's taking it to the house. Right. Or he's picking it. You know what I mean? So I, no. I like that pick. It was a good pick. And yeah, so I, I definitely, I, for me, I have him on the boom side of the potential. 
Excuse me. Oof. Because I think this kid's the real deal. I think he's definitely a difference maker from day one. His inexperience is obviously going to show more against the elite QBs or the elite wide receivers. But I really feel by year three, at least at the earliest, we're going to start talking about him as being one of the best DBs in the league. I really do. Well, like, I just, I, 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 I think right now he has a favorable division to play against quarterback-wise. Right? Matt Ryan not going to be there long. Uh, Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill, not going to be there that long. You know yeah, I mean? but Houston's not really in, 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 a, in a position to really compete. I mean, their no, quarterback going forward for this year is Davis Mills. No, I understand what you're I mean, saying. I'm just saying <laughs> he has a favorable matchup for half his season, pretty much, of playing against mediocre, talented quarterbacks. Yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. You know, I mean, Houston, they gave up 4,000 4, passing yards last year, 242 per game. I mean, they, they got Stingley, but, like, I think them losing Reed is going to hurt, too, because if they were able to get Stingley and keep Reed, you're shoring up a side of your, your, your backfield where you know you, now that, that 4,000 passing yards goes to 3,500. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I, I think he'll definitely help, like I said, he'll, he'll help the defense, and he's definitely a difference maker day one for sure. All right, so who else did they take after that? So, with their second pick in the first round, they took offensive lineman Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M. Good pick. They, yeah, they Good gave him a pick. Uh, Despite, like, I know they're, they're rolling the dice or they're just going to, you know, go with Mills this year. You know, because they're, yeah, they of course they'd like to compete, but. Be, I, I, honestly, I think the Texans as an organization this year just didn't like the quarterback prospects. And that's fine because they're honestly, they, it wasn't that great to begin with. Granted, we didn't go super hard into really looking into like the top five or top 10 guys, but you know, you could read the little synopsis on each guy, watch a game of them and then look at their highlights and then watch their combine and be like, yeah, yeah but you, you could, you could do that. You can get to, 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 to get a gauge on. No, you give me. Yeah, but th- honestly, that that's that's why, I- I- if you guys are upset that we're not spending so much time or, or like, like research into these guys is, is like we talked about in past episodes. College is a different game. College, you could play against Georgia, right? Where there's seven guys, maybe no, no, not even like five guys on each side of the ball that are gonna go pro, right? So. Like that, Something mean, like that. But other competition, you're playing against maybe one guy on the entire team that's going to go pro? And not even that, you got to figure out of, every, out of all the kids going into the draft every year and out of all the kids that play on every, on every, on, excuse me, on every college team in the nation, how many of them are, are already actually elite and those are the ones that are the next level superstars? Yeah. How many? A dozen, maybe? Yeah. Six, five? Out of, out of that pool of thousands Three? of kids? I mean, honestly. Like... Well, the funniest thing is, is if you really look at the draft and the guys that become like, if we look at the first two rounds, right, of every year's draft. Now, if you guys want to indulge and do this yourselves, go right ahead. If you look at, every, for the past 10 years, every first and second round pick for each team, right, and then go... So your undrafted picks each year, 
you'll probably see more undrafted picks make the team than those first and second rounders. Maybe not first and second rounders, but I feel like those undrafted guys will replace those third or fourth round guys. Yeah, at some point. At some point. Or or they'll float somewhere else and, and do it somewhere else. Yeah. But I think... Look, when the draft started for the NFL, it was... It was an immediate thing. They met up in a hotel somewhere and got it done in one it day. It was a spectacle. They got it done in like one or two days. It wasn't a spectacle. Yeah. Now, we know why it's a spectacle. It's the money. Hey, look, I don't mind. Advertisements, marketing. Advertising, marketing, you know, tickets, the whole shebang. Venues, yeah. I don't mind it, right? But this year's draft, I was upset. We're doing one round, one day. The next day, we're doing two and three. Then the next two days, like, all right, you're, you're stretching this thing. Yeah. First three rounds, day one. You start the fucking draft at 4 o'clock. Not even that. You started at, like, fucking 1 o'clock in the afternoon. And do it, no, do it on a Sunday, a football Sunday. No, no, no. You start on Saturday. Mm-hmm. You start on Saturday, you finish Sunday. Round one to three, round four to six. And then you read about the compository picks fucking in the paper. Because that's the way it used to be. You didn't know who people drafted unless you got it in the paper. Right. Now, granted, drafting NFL people has blown up tremendously, scouting-wise, right? But, yes, scouting helps. Scouting will find you gems. Scouting will find you solid players. You need to scout. Yes, you need the scout, but other you can't just say I'm gonna take that guy. Oh, I don't know nothing about him, but I'm taking him. Well, yeah, but what worries me is the fact that like the way the Dallas drafted. All right, Ole Miss. Who does Ole Miss really play? What talent has this guy seen? Now you're gonna plug him in against Indomik and Sue. No, Indomik and Sue. Yeah. Or fucking Aaron Donald. And you're okay with this? Like, I'm not, I'm not saying he's not capable. I'm just using it as an example. Right. Right? So, yes, everybody could be excited about draft picks. Right? Like, oh, this guy's going to be something. Look, I didn't have Mike, uh, Micah Parsons doing what he did. I didn't even have Trayvon Diggs doing what he was doing. I just thought Trayvon was a solid corner. Right. That's it. Solid corner. Can play one-on-one. Knows how to like use leverage, get into the right space, because he was a wide receiver. He can read it. All right, solid pick. I didn't see him doing what he did last year. I didn't even see Micah coming even close to what he accomplished last year. So there are gems, and there are busts. So yeah. We're gonna run through this list a little faster. Danny, who was next? Um. The next guy I had them take in the second round, fifth pick was this uh, safety Jalen Petrie out of Baylor. All right, so they're trying to replace uh, Reed with him. And so that's what when you were saying, I'm thinking like I already had it in the back of my head, like yeah, but I like the way that they've drafted. Honestly, I like the, the direction they're going. I mean, yeah. their next pick, they took a wide receiver. Okay, I'm not mad I'm, at that. I'm not really a fan of it. But I, I'm not saying. He, can't be a decent starter in the league, but look, you got, you have a you have a guy you're starting at quarterback this year that's a no name. 
You know, you're in the process of rebuilding the team. So why not just make every pick with a purpose? Why take a receiver in the right. second round? Why right. not take another lineman? Or, you know what, fuck it, a running back. I'll give I'll give you an answer to that right now. I'll give you I'll, I'll give you I'll give you an answer to that right now. And here here's the answer. Here's the answer to that question right now. Since the Texans came into the league as an expansion team, right? They have had Andre Johnson and DeAndre Hopkins and a couple other wide receivers, right? That were pretty good. So they draft fairly well at wide receiver. Still, like, I don't find that as a good enough excuse to take a wide receiver with such high of a pick when your team is almost in full rebuild mode. Exactly, so why not take a chance on this guy? If he's not who he is... Because there's other, other areas that you could address that by the time you get your starting quarterback or by the time that fucking wide receiver is there for you to take, that is a difference maker. For the most part, your team is solidified aside from one or two free agents. I, I agree with you, but I, maybe, I, maybe they're bored their draft board was different and they had him ranked higher. That's why they grabbed him. Don't want to... Yeah, but Danny... I get you, it, but I just don't see it. I really don't. Well, we're, we're, we're going to see what comes of it. We're going to see. Yeah, with their, with their uh, first pick in the, their first pick in the third round, they took a linebacker, Christian Harris, out of Alabama. So overall, I think I give them a, a B plus for their draft grade because I like what they're trying to do. But like, what makes it a B plus and not an A is taking that wide receiver in the second round. Wow. Because that just because it, it just it doesn't fit for me. It's like. All right. I mean, hey, we're all, we're all entitled to our opinion, right? And and I'm I, I'm not even mad at the the B minus. You know I mean? The B plus. Oh, you gave him a B plus? Yeah, because I because outside the wide receiver, I love what they're trying to do on defense. I just feel like with that second pick with the receiver, if you had taken another offensive lineman, that would have made your draft complete, despite yeah. whatever you did in the back end. See, because I, you address you got two linemen, you got a DB, you got a safety and a linebacker, you're fucking rolling. So yeah, but think about it like this, Danny. So then why not the wide receiver? Why not? Because I would have liked them taking another offensive lineman because when they finally get their guy and they put their guy into the spot and they're like, go, Look, you it, want to have at least half of that line solidified already. If this was a first or second round pick, right, then I'd understand your anger. For the third round to it's pick a wide receiver. It's not anger. It's just like, what the fuck, man? Well, like, all right, not anger. Like, uh, like you were perplexed by it. Like, to be like, Yo, what? I understand that if it was... A second or a first round pick, but a third round—that's not bad. You know I mean, well, that was their second pick in the se- in the second round. They had a fifth, oh. the, they had the fifth and, and twelfth. All right, so that's essentially like a third round pick. That's not bad. You know what I mean, like so you said, we'll see how it works. They probably they probably went by their board. You know what I mean? So you seen Doctor Do It All, right? When he almost hits the dog or whatever, it bonehead. Or how about with the rats? You know CPR. No, CBR, I don't even know how to spell it. <laughs> so that that's it for uh, Houston? Uh, yeah, that was all their picks in the, from the first to the third round. All right, so I'm going to get into it. I got the Jacksonville Jaguars, and uh, they had two picks in the first round, and they had no picks in the second, and they had two picks in the third. So with the number one, number one overall pick 
They selected outside linebacker Trayvon Walker out of Georgia. Now, I don't know what happened between the draft and like two weeks, but he was projected what like four or five. Something like that, but we had we had Jacksonville taking taking an offensive lineman the whole time. Yeah, and they, and they go defensive side of the ball, which I'm not mad at, but it's like, <sighs> like you got Trev, uh, well, you know Trevor, right? Trevor Lawrence. Why should, not? Why not take the best lineman in exactly. the draft to protect his ass? Exactly, exactly. So bonehead, bonehead. Strategic wise, but it's a great pick, though. It, no, it is a great pick for your defense. Because look at great how many pick. players came out of that, out of that, out of that uh, Georgia team. Yeah, uh, yo, player. that defense was fucking stacked. Well, see that that that's what I meant earlier when when we were talking about like college. Like, look, Georgia, Alabama, you know those those well, top I ten schools. They you. they play. I know they play their division and shit like that. Their their conference, but. Their out of conference games are top ten teams. Or t- yeah, at least. so they play top ten talent. You know, not yeah. to mention other schools that are in their conference are top ten teams as well. Usually, some of them. Usually, are right? L- LSU, right? Yeah. Clemson, you know what I mean? Ohio State, you know what I mean? Auburn. Auburn, these are big schools, and we know this, right? So, like, obviously the bigger school is going to have bigger talent, so they're going to play against bigger schools. So I trust best talent versus best talent, not some guy that's going to fucking Baylor and, and they're playing fucking the bottom of the barrel or mid-tier well, barrel of players. Maybe not bottom of the barrel, but they're not playing the top echelon. You know, they might play one or two. Top echelon teams. Or, or three ranked teams in the, in, in the nation throughout a given year, but all their other games are going to be kind of like like just regular mid-tier games. No, I'd be like, oh, well, you finished with, you know, 225 receiving yards and three touchdowns. All right, yeah, but who was guarding him? Fucking Jim Schwartz? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, or, or you know, God, God forbid, you know what I mean? Fucking somebody you know or yourself. Think about, like, us. Like, yeah, come on, dude. Yeah, no, definitely. I, that's definitely, I agree, and it's valid, but... All right, so... I don't know, I mean, guys gotta come from somewhere, though. So their second pick in the first round with the 27th pick, they went linebacker Devin Lloyd out of Utah. Solid year. I mean, Utah, they play some competition, but it's Utah. I mean, but I like the direction they're going. They're going, we're going defense. They believe in Trevor Lawrence so much and their free agency acquisitions and everything they built around him that they don't need to address the line. So it may be a mistake. It may be a thorn in their ass, right? Which, if it is, I hope they learn from next year and and go offensive line. Because in round three, with the 65th pick, they picked an offensive lineman, Luke Fortner, out of Kentucky. Like that's too late to be taking an offensive line when you got the fucking number one pick as a quarterback from last year sitting there like, yo, are y'all gonna protect me or what? Where's my help? Oh, and then you're gonna get mad if I don't perform, and then you're gonna wanna release me when I when I when I don't do good, right? Yeah. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> like, like, just the way these teams go about, like, like, oh man, it's just. Not all teams do this, but like some of these teams, like fucking head scratchers. Well, 
Alright. So, with their 70th pick in the third round, they took another linebacker, Chad Muma. Hey, Muma. Que pasa? I'm water, baby. Uy, Muma. I'm saying. Sorry. Uh, out of Wyoming. You know? Wyoming's a prominent school. They're, they're in the mix. So, I, I think that could be a steal in, in, in such a sense. So, I, I gave them a B-. minus. In, in all retrospect. Now, I think what would have made it a B-plus to an A would have been maybe the, the 27th pick a lineman than the 65th pick a linebacker. But that's just me. So, let's move on to Indianapolis. Some, uh, no, uh, I don't know. Just some, when you were saying that, like, just some crazy idea like just popped up in my head, like, for example, like real quick, like for example, if you were Jackson when you had the first round pick, use it obviously, but take your second, your third, use those with two separate transactions to jump into the first round again with two other different picks. So now no, we no, have no, one or, or jump, jump, or jump back early second round. I like I like using them into different transactions to get you like all right. Well, now you're at one. Okay. Well, now you have fifteen, and then you have twenty-one. Hard oh, good. You can get three top quality guys in the first round as opposed to like... Well, I I think if that was going to happen, they would have had to give up the number one and probably their third round pick. No, no, I wouldn't have given... I wouldn't have said maybe not number one this year, but you might have had to sacrifice maybe it from next year, but you're kind of banking on like that not being so bad because, you know, with development... I'm just saying like that just clicked in my head like, yo, that actually would have been dope if they did that. I, I don't like it. I don't like it. I like where they like they, they got what they got. They had two first rounders, which is great, right? So you sit out the second round. So basically now you're just looking at your board and just marking off who's you know, who's gone and who's left. Right. And they, they had on their board these guys and they were like, Alright, well fuck it. This is the direction we're going with our new coach. Excuse me. With Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson wants to build the defense. And he trusts Trevor Lawrence to like go through the process of year one with him. Right. Like I would say, be, just because of the fact that Urban Meyer was fired through year one, I'm not gonna chalk Trevor Lawrence's year one, but I'm gonna chalk it as in development wise. And the reason why I'll chalk it to that is because you have a college coach, first time in the NFL, right? Yeah. Whatever he's doing. If he's got it, he's got it. If he don't, which we've seen, and that's why he was booted. So I won't count it development-wise. So Doug Peterson with Carson and, and Nick Foles, I I think the due diligence will transpire. Where they're, they're going to rely on Trevor Lawrence's legs a little bit more this year. And they're going to see where they got, see where they finish, and then add the offensive line and more defense with trades and acquisitions free agency in the coming years. Right. So that's why I gave them a B minus. Alright, so let's hear Indies. Alright. Um so we already know they made the deal for Matt Ryan. He's their guy now. I feel like their draft is a little lackluster. I mean the they had the twenty first pick in the second round, they took wide receiver Alex Pierce or Alec Pierce out of Cincinnati. Well, you know why they had to do that, right? Why? Because when they traded for Carson Wentz, 
they had a deal in place where if Carson Wentz took a certain amount of snaps, they had to forfeit their first round pick. Ah, which he did. So that that's what gave that's what gave Philly that third first round pick. Uh huh. So that fucked them over. So that's a mistake. So yeah. I don't expect them to go buck nutty. Yeah. You know I mean, they're already a solid team. Now you got Matt. You know what I mean, Matt's not on his last leg, I would say, but you know he's at the end of his career. But as you would say, Ben Roethlisberger, you got to respect the man's knowledge and his. Is yeah, he's been to the Super Bowl, so I mean. Yeah, and, and no, no, it's not even he's been to the Super Bowl. He's been a top ten quarterback for a while. A long time. For a while, so, I mean, they, like to me, Indianapolis took a step up getting Matt Ryan. Maybe. Alright, so who they draft? Uh, with the next pick, uh, the ninth pick in the third round, they took tight end Jelani, J- Jelani Woods out of Virginia. Um, mm-hmm. Like the other guy, you know, he, you know, he's projected just to be like a regular average backup with starter potential. But I think out of the guys that they took, I think this guy has the potential to really turn out to be the best one. You know, I just, I feel like this guy... Even in year one, I'm not saying he's going to explode, but I mean, he could maybe be Matt Ryan's little safety net. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, they 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 got they got what's his name Cox at tight end. And you know, all, a lot of these teams. Oh, are yeah, I don't know if he, I don't know if he resigned with them or not. But he was a free agent. Who? Uh, Cox. They're they're tight end last year, so he may not have resigned. So that's a good pick. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. You give like Matt's always done well with a with a big tight end. Gonzalez, uh fuck his name is uh he doesn't play for them anymore. He played for the uh, Hooper. Yeah, Austin Hooper. Noah Fant. You know, oh no, yeah. not Noah Fant, uh what's his name? Uh Kyle Pitts. Okay, yeah. Right. I mean now alright, we'll give you another big body to throw to. You have Austin and uh, these other guys, which I think, I think their best move right now, barring their draft, is you gotta get Matt. Honestly, sign Julio. Sign him. I'm not. I like that. I'm not against it. I think that's a good idea. He has chemistry that's already with move. Matt. He has solid chemistry with Matt. Yeah, I mean. And that definitely gives him a solid number one weapon for sure. No, not a number one. He's a number two now. Then who's number one in India? I don't even know. Yeah. I mean, it's not Hilton. I mean, but like, like last year they were a spread the spread the ball around offense because they didn't have a Keenan Allen or somebody like that. I'm just saying for the price wise, Julio would be a good move. Um, Yeah. Or Jarvis. Even AJ AJ Green is not a bad move. It's not. It's a, it's a veteran receiver. It's 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 a good presence. It, it, like, yes, it can cannot work, but hey, there's worse options. Well, yeah, but the, there's better options than AJ fucking Green. Fuck that guy. Well, he's he's so you had AJ. Every time my fantasy football drafted that cocksucker, oh, I can't, I can't play for four weeks. Turf toe. 
Put some Vaseline on that bitch and run, motherfucker. So that was it for Indy? Yeah. Oh, wait, hold on. Um, they yeah, we should have a cough, we should have a cough counter. Yeah, I'm sorry. They had two no, more I don't guys. Know. I think that'd be a funny idea, a cough counter where we gotta put twenty five cents in a jar. I tried to mute it, but it didn't fucking work. Nah, you good, you good, you good. Um, they took an offensive lineman Bernard Raymond out of Central Michigan, and what, what round? Uh, third round, thirteenth pick. Alright, so most likely he's going to be a little bit of a project. They like the strengths that they have from him. You know, but yeah. he's, he has weaknesses that they're going to have to work on. And if Matt's going to be there for at least a year or so, and if you still plan on trying to compete for a wild card, you've got to keep him upright. Yeah. So I like that move. Yeah. And then with the 32nd pick in the third round, they took defensive back Nick Cross out of Maryland. Like, those picks, like I said, project. You have some shining spots, and then you have some negative spots. So you got yeah. to work on it. So what, what was the grade that you gave them? Like, I fluctuated between like a C- and a B because what they have with Matt Ryan and everything and the running game. And, and their defense and their line already and their running game. It's like a C- or a B. I mean... No, I would, go, I would go C plus the most. It's, it's solid depth moves. I would go C plus the most because you know why? They, they're they already stacked. You think so? Yeah. They are, honestly. All right. This is why me and you had that argument about Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz, you think, is a good quarterback. Okay. Okay, quarterback. Okay, quarterback. So he should have been able to get it done in the two years he was there. Not to go... Super Bowl, but next step, next step, next step. Yeah, exactly. And he didn't do that. Matt, on the other hand, is not going to make a stupid decision like Carson, right? And they have a good line where they can keep him upright. And he has a he has a run game like he's never seen before. And the only time he's seen a run game like that was when he went to the Super Bowl. With Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. It's nothing against Taylor, but you know how I feel about him. You, you know that bet we made. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're going to pay up, motherfucker. And they we'll know see. that, too. These people know it. They know it. We'll see. All right. So, I got Tennessee, round one, pick 18, Traylon Burks. Great pick, considering that they traded A.J. Brown, right? So, they, they basically, like, replaced him. If Traylon Burks can, yeah, if Traylon Burks can can be AJ Brown, right? Then it worked out perfectly. Now, round two, pick number thirty-five. They took my boy, cornerback Roger McCreary, out of Auburn. Okay. And I think he's gonna be absolutely fucking filthy. You think he's gonna be better than Stanley? No, he'll be up there with them. Like he's gonna be, he's gonna be that, he's gonna be that corner that you gonna mention. Like, yo, you know that Stingley and Sauce were taken before him. Be one of those. And he, he's, he's 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 one of the, he's one of the ones of the next generation of uh, DBs coming yeah. to the league. Then the third round with pick number sixty nine, they took offensive tackle Nicholas uh, Petit Freire. Hell of a name. 
so obviously they're gonna try to work with him, see if they can plug him in day one or you know work. And then round three, pick number eighty six, they took Malik Willis, which I like. It, it, yeah, you know what I mean. The, the Tannehill era. Pick and you're not investing a first or a second round pick on him. Yeah. Yeah, no. but I like that pick to invest. Like Tannehill's not gonna be there forever, and and it, and it seems like. Just saying, Tannehill's not gonna take you to that next step. Like everything's gotta go right. Like everything, not like not one thing can go wrong, and you can you can get there. But I think they're thinking in, in terms of future, where they're gonna get past Eric Henry, and and they've already moved on with these younger guys. So, could they win this division again? Yes. Are they a bit weaker? Yes. But. I think they, I think they still are favorable to win the division. So I gave them a B plus with the draft. Because yeah. barring if Tannehill gets hurt, Malik Willis can come in there and, and his athletic ability and learn and light it up. You know, but if Tannehill stays healthy, I like the Traylon Burks. You know, wide receiver pick. I like McCreary, and I like that offensive tackle. So they yeah. had, they they replaced and addressed what they needed to. So that's why I gave them a B plus. Yeah, yeah. Anything past that, like we said, that that's you're flipping a coin. Practice squad depth picks. You yeah, know. like it's not even you're flipping a coin. You're flipping two coins. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the odds just went from fifty fifty to twenty five. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, now we had some news this week, as in terms of the football. Uh. Next year, Monday night, will feature a flex schedule for the last, I think, four to five weeks. So whoever's in contention will be moved to Monday night. Uh, and then they're adding three weeks of doubleheaders with the first week of Monday Night Football being a doubleheader. They're going to have two more doubleheaders. Yeah, week two is a doubleheader. Oh, it is? Yeah. Oh, so uh, they- Minnesota Philly has the second game. I think the first game is Tennessee or Buffalo or... Uh, I'm, I, I I'm surprised at that. I thought they were gonna go. I thought they were gonna go week one, right? Then week seven, and then like week thirteen, week fourteen. Well, yeah. Or you do week one, and you do like week eight or nine, and you do the last week of the season. No, you don't do the last week of the season. That's outrageous. You do that week fourteen. Well, why not do it last week of the season? And what if that doubleheader is two? Our four teams that are in contention. Yeah, yeah, but that's Those less. are two games that you definitely would want to watch. Yeah, but it's all right. It's less rest. It's more on the players. Look, I, Danny. More they, on the line. They already they already extended the season one game and it kept them at the same pay rate. You start adding in that week seventeen. People are going to be arguing for a slight pay raise, and that that's just football. You know them. Well, I mean, they should be getting paid a little bit more regardless. But, but that, that's another story. But yeah. that that's just another reason for them to go, I want more money. You know what I mean? And we're in a good place in football right now is in terms of the player union. So I don't want to fuck with that. You think they're in a good place? Or I think they're in there like, is, there Or, or okay. it's just because no one is saying nothing. Unless, and the only people that are saying something is fucking retired players. Well, but who's, gonna, who's really listening to them? 
not a whole lot of people. Yeah, you got a point. You got a point. You got a point. But I do like that. I'm kind of upset that week two they're doing it, though. I would really like week one, week seven, week 14. Because you know how they're going to flex the last four weeks of the season? Don't so they can they can have that. two scheduled games that are like non you know non relative and replace them with a double header that means something. Yeah. Right. So that's week fourteen. There's three weeks left to be played. It's not that extraneous on the players, especially like you're trying to make a playoff push. You got to play on a Monday. You don't want nothing else interfering with that and double headers and then changing times and, and all. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you keep it that first week, week six, week one. Yeah, I mean. I've always thought they should have had a doubleheader every Monday. I mean, I, I always did enjoy the doubleheader uh, double Monday nights, you know? I love it. Because it's like, you go from... The first thir- Thursday game is how they kick off the season. So you got football on a Thursday, right? Yeah. Friday, you're, 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 you know, you're covering that game or you're looking at that game Saturday. Now you're lining up all the games from 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock. Sunday booms, you got fucking massive games. Launch from 1 to one to 8. Monday comes, oh shit, there's two fucking games. Let's fucking go. And guess what? I only got to wait two more days until another game. Yeah. Like, I think football's killing it in that aspect. Like, if they added Saturday games, one Saturday game a week, or two Saturday games a week, oh, my God. The money that they would boom. I mean, just think about it. Most people are off on a Saturday anyway, too, just like Sunday, you know? All right. But see, then you're interfering with college football, though. Yeah, fuck college football. No, people like to watch college football. Okay, all right. That's why college football is Saturday. And the NFL has but, yeah, but college football is, is, is massive amounts of games. I'm talking about two games, a 4 o'clock game and an 8 o'clock game. Or just, or, or just one primetime game, a 7.30, 8 o'clock game. All right, so one primetime game. So you have Thursday, then Saturday, then Sunday the mass amounts, right? And then Monday a doubleheader. Every Monday. I like that. I don't like this, because they already do it for baseball. Like, think about it. Like, people get out of work in New York City. They're like, oh, well, I'm getting out of work. Where are you going? I'm going to the ball game. It sucks in an hour and a half. I already got my ticket. I just got to fucking... I just got to get there. Yeah. You know what I mean? So why not, like, the doubleheader for Monday? Why not, hey, you know, fucking... I'm getting out of work at 4. The game don't start till 4.30. You know what I mean? Right. And then the next game starts about 8. Which I like. Which, which That late game has to be a West Coast game, though. If you're and it's do- like, you know, if, if they think that it's like, oh, well, you know, how many people are actually going to sit there and watch it because it's like a four o'clock. Dude, you'll be fucking surprised. Throw a football game on a day where there's no football. Guarantee people are watching the game. Exactly. It's the as long as it's a decent enough matchup, yeah, people are definitely watching. See, like, like if the NFL did like a theme to their schedules, and this is my opinion, uh, like, sort of Saturday games, right, would be rivalry Saturdays. So every Saturday you're going to have a rivalry game. Like, you know, uh, Jags and fucking New England or uh, Giants-Cowboys, Giants, Cowboys, Minnesota-Green Bay. Like, you're going to have grudge matches, like rivalry matches on Saturdays. Yeah. So it's like 
Thursday is is, is you know your 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 big matchup like you know you know at a conference game like you know, at a conference games like uh the Rams versus the Broncos right at a conference Saturday your your grudge match right Sunday your fill of games with your grudge matches you know whatever it is Monday you, Monday you got double headers you know what I mean so teams are getting a little bit more rest on Mondays because then they don't play till like Sunday afternoon but they and, get the extra you know, week. And it's the same thing with Saturday. You know, okay, well, all right, well, we're playing Saturday, but then we don't play till next Sunday. Yeah, or you can actually rotate them to play a Thursday game, and then they don't play till next Sunday or a Monday night game. So it's yeah, like, you know, so there's ways to rotate where, you know, players are getting rest. Yeah. It's favorable for them, and then you're adding in the, the international games. But So the NFL is doing a lot, and they can do a lot more, which, which I like that they're expanding into that. You know, I like that. But I just feel like with all this, eventually it's like, yeah, it would just be nice to see these guys get paid a little bit more money. Like, yeah, and, and especially... At some point, come on, man, y'all got to open up your pockets more and really guarantee these players money because you have a higher risk of getting hurt out there and... And, and, and you're, 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 your body's taking more of a pound. life-threatening injury as opposed to baseball. Like, yeah, you can get hit in the face with a baseball or, you know, you can tear an ACL, but, like... You know, if you get hit in a certain way in football, like, you know... That's a wrap. Say somehow you get flipped up in the air and then you come down on your neck and you're not... And your spine snaps. Yeah. You're done. Yeah, or, or Ryan Shazier from the Pittsburgh Steelers. He tucked his head on one tackle and fucking caused a spinal injury. Like, so football... And we talked about it. Football has to be the highest-paid sport. Like, baseball has to take a backseat. I'm sorry, well, the basketball... It's not the highest paid, like, they absolutely have to have free healthcare or, like, absolute best... Or, or lifetime healthcare. We're, yeah, we're, like, uh, A portion out of their check... Family, like, yeah, where a portion comes out of their check to, like, cover the insurance. Not even a portion comes out of their check. The team just takes care of it. Like, I get it that, that those are big bills, but it's like, you know... If we're saying that now and we're looking at guys, all right, well, not too many guys are really having those kind of injuries. So it's like, it's not going to affect them. But it's there in the event something happens. I, I understand that, and I like that, but I think what's going to cause the ruckus or that to fall through is, like, look at Ben Simmons, right? So now you got to pay his medical bills and his salary, and the cocksucker has, like, a backache. Well, though, though, obviously, it has to be levels of stipulations to it, but, like, there should be more, like, like benefits and stuff for a family to be, you know, taken care of and, and shit like that. Yeah. You know, and maybe I over, you know, extenuated what it should be, but, like, there should obviously definitely be more, like, for them. Well, see, like I've told you before, like, like, go watch that show Ballers, and you'll understand why I love I'm it. I'm going to check that out when I finish the uh, Lakers yeah. series. And, and, and what we're talking about right now. Right, so it's got to be on the player union first. They have to address it, right? Then it has to go to the owners, right? And yeah. you got to get them on board, right? And once you get them on board, then you can work out a system where even if it's like, look, they're not working with paychecks like we we are. You know, our mass of people and us. Like, our paycheck isn't one hundred fifty thousand every Saturday. Right. You know what I mean? So. Instead of getting 150000 you get 120. 20 goes to the medical insurance and 10 goes to like a private reserve for your family if anything should happen to you. Yeah. So your family has been taken care of. 
know what I mean? And then it's that like gives their version of a 401k kind of thing. Yeah, in, in such kind of way. And then it, then like they'll be like, all right, Sean, uh, Sean Taylor, right? He died, so they didn't have to pay out the rest of that salary, right. but they did. But now that like, say, if Sean Taylor had a like you know a life insurance plan through the NFL and a 401k plan. His family would be set for life, and then they, they would honor it, and they would look good. We're, we're just gonna pay you the salary of the contract, right? No bonuses, but just give you base value of it, right? So it looks like the NFL is actually behind their players in their league. And they should be. They should. You know, I mean, like, damn, like, yeah, I get it. Like, you're asking these guys to go out there and put their lives on the line, but still, like. Now, granted, you, you like either you were born into a situation or you built yourself into a situation where you were able to acquire a team. Good, good for you. I mean, you you did good yourself in your own life, but like in the Lakers show where they talk about where where the secretary comes to him and and she's like, "Look, these are depreciating assets." Yeah. So you can pay them and and get taxes bought on them. By the contract's construction, right? So, basically, essentially, every player is a dollar value at fresh, a big value, and then depreciates, right? So, that's why every year we're like, oh, Bobby Wagner wants this much money, or this guy wants this much money, and and he doesn't get signed. Because everybody knows that dollar value has sank, which... In a business point of view, 100% makes sense, and that's the way it should be. But we're dealing with human beings. We're not dealing with product. Well, so that's, that's with products. They're, they're, they're the ones out there producing the touchdowns and the, the yeah, passes. They're, they're the, the product, product that they sell to us. What? They're the product that they sell to us. Mm-hmm. So they should be taken care of like a... I don't want to be an asshole in how I say it or the analogy that I say that. Like, um, hmm. like, a war- like, a, like, a, like a warranty on a car. You know what I mean? So the, the, the car should get its value. But if, if something should go wrong, there is an insurance policy for the owner and the car. Like, when you buy the car, usually, depending on whatever the issue is, you're covered up to about X amount of miles with, or, or X amount of years or months, whatever comes first kind of thing. You know, on, and you're covered on certain things. But, out, but if it's something outside that, well, you know, then, you know. It, now, it now granted, if, like, 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 say if they, like, say if you had just paid DeAndre Hopkins, right? That money, right? Okay. And he gets suspended for PEDs. This should invoke that contract right of, all right, you don't get paid. You violated rules. Okay? But now, say you didn't violate the rules. Week one, you tore your ACL. I still have to pay you. But out of your checks still comes the the insurance and the 401k, no matter what. Right? And if, now, this will make injuries a little bit different. Where teams will actually exercise the right to like, look, every doctor says you're playable. 
right? But you don't feel comfortable. Well, I, all right, I get to ex exercise my right as in I've, I've had you cleared by every doctor and you tell me no, well, I don't have to pay you. Or I don't have to pay you fully. Like I'm I want to take X percentage amount. Exactly. I'll, I'll invoke this part of the contract where I only have to pay you 20%. Or 30 or whatever. Or whatever it is, it is yeah. for week by week. You still get paid. Just you know not I mean? the whole amount. You're not getting the whole amount because that's not fair to me. Right. You know what I mean? But it's still business oriented where everybody gains and everybody loses at the same rate. But nobody's totally fucked. Yes. Absolutely. Nobody's totally fucked. And especially the players. Yeah. Like you're gonna get paid, you may get you may get paid at a certain rate because you, you refuse to play. Right? But you're still getting money into your four hundred one K and still an insurance plan. Yeah you know I mean? That covers you. Right. You can't cover your whole family. You know I mean your family's not out here taking fucking Ray Lewis hits. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, definitely. Alright, we're gonna take a thirty second break, Danny? Like that. And we'll be back and we'll launch it with Hate It or Love It. Okay. Okay.
being patient with us. Keep your arms and ears and hands inside the vehicle at all times while you ride this ride. Or you'll get fucked. No. All <laughs> aboard. Alright, so Danny, it's hate it or love it time. Set us off there, buddy. Somebody, somebody's eating fucking cashews over here. No, I'm eating a piece of chocolate with caramel. Chocolate? Yeah. Chocolate? Um, so, I know he didn't win the MVP, but hate it or love it, Luca is better than Joker. Because I definitely think he is. That's just my opinion. Like, I like Joker. It's not against him. I'm not trying to, like, steal away his MVP, but I just, I like watching Luca. I just, it's just, for me, it's more, it's, it's just a better fit for me. It's just my preference. All right, look, I'm not mad that Jokic won the MVP. I, I preferred Embiid. I thought Embiid did more for his team uh, than Jokic, just respectively. Um Statistic-wise, though, Jokic has done something nobody's ever done before. And that is? I think it's at the aspect of scoring like 2,000 points and like like 1,000 rebounds or something like that. Oh, like, okay. Like, yeah. Like in a season. So, like, barring if he didn't have that, I can see Embiid or Luka. Um, now, I'm going to hate it. And the reason why I'm going to hate it is... Yes, Luca can score, you know, in bunches, right? But Jokic, all right, Jokic won't be able to score as much as him in retrospect, but he'll he'll have more of a, a hand on the game. In the offense, in, yeah, in the offense, yeah. rebounds, assists, you know what I mean? So I, I, I hate it. Sorry. No, no. I hate it a lot, but Danny. Tyrod Taylor gets the nod over Daniel Jones after week four. I like it. No. I mean, I get, you know, this is, but this, you know, Daniel Jones is supposed to be your guy, but this is quote-unquote is probably going to be his last shot. Unless, unless he puts up a fucking, an ultimate season. Yeah, to try to keep his job and stay with the Giants and get a new contract after this year, which... I just don't see it happening. And I, like I said, I love it. I, you know, and honestly, watch that happen and Tyrod keeps him in the hunt for a wild card. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's fucking crazy. Like, yet, no, like uh, I'm not a hater of Danny Jones. Now, granted, he hasn't had a line at all. And now, finally, like, they did their due diligence of, like, building him some sort of a line. Right. So, barring out how this season goes, if he does well and his numbers jump and everything like you know jumps up and the bad things go down, the fumbles, the interceptions, and shit like that. Right. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to a one to two year deal after that. But I think with the draft picks and their free agency moves, I think it's a 
big chance. And that's why I, I, I pose this question. I think Tyrod is gonna is gonna grab is gonna take the job away from him by week four or after. Okay, do you think this becomes his team for a few years? No. Until the Giants find that guy, is there any work on rebuilding that line and building that team? Because if Tyrod is serviceable, why did they rebuild that team? Why couldn't they, you know, at least ride him for a year or two and just, you know, while he's rebuilding the team? You know, and then when they finally get their guy or if someone's... <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't, it, it, it doesn't sound... I'd rather, I'd rather see them do that than do what they've been doing, I tell you that. And I'm not even a giant fan, and I don't even watch their games. But I've seen enough to know. See, I like I, I wouldn't hate it. I like it. One or two years. That's it. Tyrod, that's all you get. And they get to like build their team in other aspects and then when they're ready to make that step to yep. take a quarterback, they'll do it. Or so, sign one, depending on what's going on. But I or love you it. trade for Baker kind of thing or I don't I, honestly I think if the Giants were that desperate, that move would have been done already. Well maybe yeah, but maybe they kind of actually want to see what Daniel Jones has before they actually pull the trigger. And they're like, all right, well, when we pull the trigger, he's definitely gone, but is he being released? Are we making a trade for this guy? No, no, this, this is the end of his contract year, so he'll be a free agent. Right. So I think going into it, Daniel Jones has to know that this is this is all or nothing. That's what I'm saying. So, so I think they can... Afford to wait the year out, just like you would say, like, oh, well, if the Giants were desperate, they would have done it. Well, maybe if fucking Cleveland wasn't so gung ho on keeping Baker, they would have definitely unloaded him after they traded for fucking Deshaun. I mean, I get it, you want to have someone as bad because you don't know what's going to happen with Deshaun, but, I mean, that's assets that you could be bringing in. You know, yeah. you, go, you go sign a veteran uh, quarterback or somebody else and then fucking trade him for assets. You know, just... I don't disagree. I mean, I'm not saying the Baker Mayfield, excuse me, TNT, the Baker Mayfield is deal is out of, you know, pocket for them. No, it's it, it, it's in the realm for them. Um, I just don't see the Giants doing it. Me you know, The sure. Giants have never been a team to go, like they've done it before, but it wasn't a permanent thing. It's not like, all right, we, we traded or signed the guy we wanted, and now we go from here. They were more of a draft-first yeah. team. So I don't see that, but I was I was high on Danny Jones, man, in the beginning. And, and granted, he didn't have a line, and Saquon couldn't stay fucking healthy, and they really didn't have yeah. the best of weapons in retrospect. But I, I, I think his tenure there... After this year, barring any type of year he has, has come to a close. You know, I, I think Danny. Sorry, I'm not saying you. I know you named Danny, but I think Danny Jones in that aspect, he is. You're He's a back. You're a backup, though. You're a Mike Glennon. It, it sucks. Hey, at least you made it there. You, you you know you did what you did. The circumstances weren't right. You you can always say that. That'll be a fact, but. Just this overall team. You being a starter is not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Unless he goes out this year and wows. Talking about wows. Up, but I mean, it just looks good. Doesn't make the mistakes that he's been making. Looks more efficient. Means defense is better. But I'm talking about like 
35 plus 100 yards, 23 plus touchdowns, and minus 12 interceptions. That's like that's just a bare minimum to like argue for your job for another year, right? You go out there, you put up thirty seven hundred yards, twenty seven touchdowns, eleven interceptions, right? And even if he goes out there and puts up fucking three thousand yards, nineteen touchdowns, seven interceptions, a sixty five completion percentage. Yeah, but that yeah, but that's oh shit, look. Honestly, I would take that. I and mean, honestly, depending on how next year, I give you a one-year deal. But you know what? Granted, your whole saying hasn't been good. You know, you showed enough and improvements enough. I give you one-year deal, but I'm bringing somebody in that's going to compete with you. Yeah. Not a guarantee, but I can give you a one-year deal to see if you can build off of what you did last year. Well, see that—that's why I asked the question. Is because if it reaches that point where Tyrod has to take over, and depending on how Tyrod does, like say he comes in week six, right, and throws right. for 2,400 yards, 15 touchdowns, seven interceptions, hey, maybe we can sit on him for a year, build more, then get the guy. Maybe. But either way, either way, direction it's going to go. Which I'm hoping for the Giants. I, I can't believe I'm saying this as a Cowboy fan. I hope it breaks even for them. Whichever Why? way it breaks. Like, either Danny Jones has a solid year and they just decide one-year deal, then you're done, or we let you go. Or Tyrod takes the reins and Tyrod leads the team for a year or two and then they move on. Yeah. I think he's on regardless, though. He's going to have a shitty year. Um, so what's your third? I hated all of it. Well, this is my second. Because I did my first. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. I apologize. I apologize. James, hated the love. James Harden's career is over. I hate it. The reason why, why? I hate it is because he's still going to find a job. Now, granted, because he's attached to this contract, Whoever takes him is going to have to, like, just, you're going to have to put a knuckle on your ass and take it and pay that money. Now, granted, if no team does that, Philly, you might as well just pay him for whatever the extension is and then opt out when you can or try to trade him. But his career isn't over. Is it on his decline? 100% yes. There's no doubt about it. He looks done. He looks done as a star. Doesn't doesn't not shoot the ball. Doesn't seem to have any effort out there. Just well, defense is suspect. But I think. I remember how my dad always told us. Players always play better in a contract year. So they can get that money. Right. This essentially for him is a contract year. This year coming up. So I expect, now I could be wrong, but I'm expecting some form of Harden of the old to reappear. Now this year, like I said, like prior to the other years with the Nets, this year he came in out of shape, overweight, not really having the attitude, you know what I mean? 
the whole Kyrie situation and Durant being hurt. Like he's like, and now I'm, I'm empathizing. I don't agree. But I'm just empathizing. Like I'm not trying to be out here forty minutes a game for eighty two games, bust my ass while I get no help. Right. Like send me somewhere where I can at least be competitive. You know what I mean? But the fact that he came in out of shape, overweight, not giving a fuck, it played a toll. So now next year being a contract year in such a way, I think he'll show up and show out for the majority of the season. Even if that happens, how old is he going to be? 33, 34 years old? Yeah, so probably most likely Philly's going to cut ties. So what, if you do that, you're going to be asking for a three or four year deal? seen organizations dumber than the most. No, I, I, I get it, but I would definitely be one of the ones that are definitely not All right. But from this, from this perspective, we're going to see what type of organization Philly really is. Right? After AI, they had a rough patch. Right? Right. They, had Ig- they had Iguodala, which was a good draft pick. Iguodala was a star there for a little bit. They were able to trade him, get some other pieces, and start building. And they, they gave their notice to Philly, you know, that memo, hey, you know, we're gonna suck, but we're gonna we're gonna be back, we're gonna build. This is the crucial moment, the climax of, of the seventy sixers history right here as we're talking about it right now. If they keep which we're believing they're gonna keep Doc Rivers, right? Okay. And they keep Harden. Okay. And it doesn't go the way we'd hope or should go. They're both going to be out on their ass in about two to three years. And Philly... No, two to three years. Just list. Just list. Two to three years, right? Because that's when the contract will be over for the both of them. They'll be out on their ass. And B will be on his almost, you know, decline. They'll try to move him. They'll move him, and they'll be in a complete reset. Why not get that reset now? Because it's not time. And the reason why I said this is why we're going we're gonna to see who the Phillies really are as an organization. But I thought if you started now and said you can get a little bit more in return. I'd be a little bit more heavy. And maybe if you do that, then maybe by doing that, by starting early, progressive a little bit. Yeah, but Danny, here's the thing. They memoed their fans. Yeah, but yeah, but Danny, when, when you when you, and this is Philly we're talking about. When you memo your fans and say, hey, "Look, we're going through a process. We'll be back soon enough," and you get back right to competing every year, right? You can't just restart and be like, "Yeah, we're trading everybody," because then the, the city's gonna be like, "Yo, you just conned us. You didn't give a shit," right? So either they're going to win in the next two to three years, right, or be competitive as an Eastern Conference Finals maybe two or three years in a row. But if they don't, then Philly's going to have a hard reset. Yeah, I feel what you're saying. That, that's just, the, the, that's just the, the fact of it, no, no matter what. I just personally feel like I'd like to see them do whatever, but I get it, you know. 
Now, if like now, if later was like earlier, now if like we were two or three years already ahead, and we would like we came up with like you know this was the 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 same situation. Yeah, you know I mean, then okay, start the process. Send Embiid somewhere. Send Tobias. Keep a player or two and restart the whole process. Yeah, you know, but I think it's. I think if they would have traded Embiid and Harden and, and like another player, right, a package deal or whatever the fuck it is, Philly's gonna lose their shit. They're gonna turn their city upside down. Again. Yeah, this time they didn't even win exactly. And Philly, Philly doesn't have much to celebrate. Their biggest aspect is fucking baseball. No, I said honestly for Philly. Oh no, yeah, no, I was thinking about it for me. I was thinking about someone else. Um. Yeah, either baseball or the Flyers. Yeah, okay. You know, maybe they're competitive, but, like, they haven't won a championship in a while. Mm-hmm. All right. So, whose turn is it? My turn or your turn? Uh, mine. No, 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 I actually gave it so your turn. All right. Hate it or love it. The Yankees will hit a big slump in June. Alright, before we before we do that, let's look up their schedule. Yeah, but I mean very few times do you see a team run away with from day one just hold the throne all the way through them anyway. Doesn't happen like that all the time with teams, you know. There's most of the time they always definitely go through their fair share of Alright, so May thirty first they start a series against the Angels. Yeah. Alright. A three game set. Then they play the Tigers a three game set. Then the Twins a three game set. Then the Cubs a three game set. Then the Rays a a three game set. Then the Blue Jays a three game set. Then the Rays again. Then the Astros for a four game set. And then the Athletics to end the month. That's a very... Very, very competitive month. That's a rough. That's a rough month. It kind of evens out in such a way towards the end because you know you end up playing Oakland. Yeah, man. Then right after Oakland, they play the Astros for one game. Then they move on to Cleveland. Well, no, all right. Then Pittsburgh for two games, and then the Red Sox four games. Then the Reds. Then the Red Sox again. Then the Houston. Then Baltimore. Then the Mets. So like. These next two months are pivotal for the Yankees. Now, I've been down on them. They've been playing great. I'm not going to deny it. Enough. I won't go that far. That's the, that's the New York Mets. That's the, no, look, Danny, let's look at it like how we always look at it. How much do you spend? How much do you spend? Who do you have? Who do you have? Still. No. Bullshit. And don't know nah, this is this is the I'm fucking the Are you fucking kidding me? You're a Met fan, I'm a Rockies fan, and I gotta tell you that you're the hottest team in baseball. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. and you won't even defend it. You you just you you just no 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 hold the fuck up. As a Yankee fan on camera, right now, not a Yankee fan, a Met fan right now on camera, you just went to defend the Yankees over the Mets? 
I only said that they were the hottest team in baseball right now. I didn't say that they were the better team. I only said that they were hotter because over the last couple of weeks, they actually had like a seven or eight game or like a 10 game win streak or whatever. Yes, the Mets have been playing very well and are one of the best teams in baseball. But I, think, I think the Mets have played a harder schedule. I have, I have to look at what the, uh, what the Yankees played uh, from the start of the season to now to, to say that. But, I mean, the Mets have definitely, uh, you know, a lot of individual games, you know, the games they've played against the Phillies have been good games. I mean, they've done their thing against Washington. They split that series with Atlanta. You know, I mean, they did their thing in St. Louis in the beginning of the season, but now they're playing St. Louis this week. And, you know, this, so far it's been a good series so far. All right, this is, this is what I'll say about the Yankees, and this is why I believe the slump will come in June. It's a hard schedule. They have some fucks, Detroit, you know what I mean, Orioles in there. So that those are six games they can they can honestly win, right? But the rest of those games are very difficult, right? And they've been hitting the ball extremely well. I like what Aaron Boone is doing with his, like, rest system, where it's like, He's getting the analytics on like you know who who needs to take a rest and he gives guys days off. I like that. I, I honestly do. Like that's a belief in your team that not a lot of not a lot of managers would have. Right. You know to give your star the day before yesterday the day off, right? Then the next day he comes out off a of rest and hits two home runs. You know you, you can't argue with that system. Now, they're playing great defense. They're pitching very well. Now, pitching, we know, is fluxes, and so do bats. We know they're a good team. We know they're a We know they're definitely... Look, I'm a but they are a very good team. Year in, year out, but they just haven't won Disney Dick in a long time. Exactly. Two championships in 22 years. At your pedigree. Yeah, it doesn't cut it. You, you should have had, like, five on a board already. At least. Aiming at your six. You know what I mean? For this year. And and the way they're playing, I understand about being a Yankee fan and being excited. Right? I just think this month of June that's coming up is a hard month. Now, July cakes out a little bit for you. Same thing for the rest. They got a tough schedule coming up, too. So. I just want to see how long the Yankees can sustain this home run hitting thing that they have going. Because they're hitting home runs, right? And they're hitting base hits, too. They're going to fizz out. Somebody's going to go into a slump. You know what I mean? And I don't think it's going to be judged like we talked about. Contract year, baby. Yeah. He's on pace to hit 62 home runs. No way he's hitting 50. Well, I just seen a tweet the other day, fucking Sandy and the judge are both on pace to hit 50, and it was like, will they hit 50? And I'm like, no. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be judge at 43 and Stanton at like 39. No, I think Stanton's going to hit 40. I think judge is going to finish at like 30 plus. Oh, so you have him reversed. I think Stanton will definitely hit 40. I don't know, like 41, 42. Alright, so basically you love the idea that the, the Yankees are going to hit this rut. Yeah, definitely. They're going to hit a skid. I'm not saying I'm not saying a full-on collapse. But, but I, think they, I think this is going to open... June is going to open a window for the Rays. Yes. To slide in there. Because they're only like three and a half, four back, so it's, you know, it's still very close. 
well, let me let me take a look real quick. Yeah, uh, I don't know, I'm just looking at it. They're four and a half. Six, yeah. Yeah, so a rough patch can have Tampa slide in there, and then the, the rest of the division is going to catch their win. So that four and a half can become one and a half within one week. Exactly. Like All right, that. so you're up. All right, so I read this the other day. It was an article I read. Lost it. I, I don't know how it's going to how it's really going to work out, but from what I read, there's a lawsuit, there's a civil suit where the lawsuit demands the Jets and Giants remove New York from their team names. And we've talked about this before, just at times in the past. Yeah, I love it. Um, Now, here's the thing. New York has been there for a long, the New York Giants have been there for a long time. Well, they've well, they both been players since 76. In Jersey. Yeah. yeah. New York Giants were there originally, and they played in the Bronx, in Yankee Stadium. And yeah. they played there for a while. You know what I mean? So, if anybody should have to change their name first, I think it should be the Jets. But I don't think it's going to work like that. The reason why I say I don't think it's going to work like that, the, the Jets have been lobbying to get a stadium in Manhattan forever. And eventually that deal is gonna is gonna fall through. Right, like Yeah. Like well no, nah, that that was that was literally because Brooklyn needs something. Like they hadn't had something since what? Uh the Dodgers? Yeah. But I mean another team has to have a fucking uh, sports franchise. I mean, come on. No, but that was that was Jay Z's original vision. I'm gonna buy the Nets. I'm gonna bring them to Brooklyn, and you know that that other Russian guy or Polish guy that bought the team, like that was their contingency. Like we're we're moving the team from New Jersey to Brooklyn. That was, right. you know what I mean. So I mean, props to Jay Z for doing that, and then you know, selling his portion of the team, and then opening us up his own fucking sports agency. Smart as hell. You know what I mean? Right. So. No, I love it. I love it. I love the, I would love to see the New York Jets play out of Manhattan, right? And then the New Jersey Giants play out of the Meadowlands. Right. I think I think that would I think that would even bolster more of New York and New Jersey solidifying who they're gonna be fans of. Right. Yeah, you know I mean so New Jersey would definitely solidify around the Giants. Definitely. Right, and New York would embrace the, the Jets. Jets, and they're on the so cover. Like, okay, so like, all right, so, so we know the Jets is the New York Jets, right? But it's like when it comes to the Giants, they're known as the New York Football Giants. So ultimately, when it comes down to this, if this does happen, what fan base do you think is going to be hurt more? Like, all right, so like, all right, so like, all right, so if they have to lose their name, and then you know. It's not the New York Giants and the New York Jets or, you know, the New Jersey Giants. Like, what f- uh, fan base do you see being more upset by the outcome at the end of the day with this? Well, the way I see it, to be honest, is the way I like it. The way I've seen it as in, like, the Giants turn to New Jersey and, and New York stays New York because they moved to Manhattan. I think it hurts the Giants more 
because they were traditionally, they played from the Bronx, they were in New York, you know what I mean? They are the true New York team, the first New York football team. Right. So that's my just that's my thought. Now it could reverse where the Giants can lobby they could probably lobby more to get their own stadium in, in fucking Manhattan than the Jets can. And, and keep them in New Jersey. Yeah, and keep keep the Jets in New Jersey. I mean, because the Jets were an expansion team. They they were the, the, the Titans before the Titans. Right. They were the New York Titans. Then they became the New York Jets. So, but they did play out in New York too, but it's a finicky thing. Who gets seniority in that situation? What, yeah. what, what prospers? I mean, but whichever way it prospers, I think the Giants will hurt, Giant fans will hurt more because it's like now we got to be New Jersey and the people that live in Manhattan and all over, you know, New York are going to be like, oh, what the fuck? You know right. I mean? We were in New York first. We were here first. You know what I mean? Right. But, hey, you changed the name and guess what? In two or three years, they win a fucking Super Bowl. Everybody fucking forgets. Real fast. Real fast. <laughs> Where people were like, you know, diehard, dumb Giant fans were like, I'm moving to Jersey. <laughs> right by the stadium, 20 minutes away. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be interesting how this unfolds for sure. All right, Danny, hate it or love it, Luka Doncic averages lower than 25 points in this series versus Golden State. I hate it. I really think he's going to dominate. I really think... Well, what are you thinking? What are you thinking per night then? Pick a number and just say above it. Closer to 27, 28. So, all right, so we'll just say 28. Yeah. So 28 plus a night. Yeah. All right. No, I, I like I said like like I was saying before, they're gonna ride this momentum rolling into the series, and I really hope Dallas advances because well, I have Miami and Dallas in the NBA Finals. Before so. we move on to this big boom of a hater to love it, all I have to say about it is, if he averages below twenty five, and the other guys don't step up and cover his ass. It's a bad day. It, no, it's no, it's gonna be a bad series. Yeah. Cause then, then people are like people's view of Luca is gonna change. Like, oh yeah, you dominated those first two rounds because motherfuckers let you. Now that they play defense on you, you kind of like fucking, you did a Jason Tatum. Right. All right, Danny. This is for our fans, and this is for the show. Well, let, me Just, you, let, let me give you my last hit of love before you start this. Okay. Um, hate it or love it, the draft lottery. I think that the worst team should get the number one pick. Like, I know they talk about tanking and whatnot, but like, what's the point of being the worst team if you don't get the first pick? Now you're now now you're running the risk of picking fifth or sixth. Now maybe the one or two guys you were potentially looking at are not there. Now, how far does that set your franchise back? Now, I look. I love it because it can be tweaked. It can it can be made better that system. You know, instead of going like, you know, backwards from four to one. You know what I mean? And then there's certain balls or certain percentages. You know what I mean? It should be laid out better. If you if you still want to do the lottery system, that's okay. But I think the system needs to be changed slightly. Worst team, like if we're just doing a lottery system, right? Of the first four picks, right? then that's all that needs to be in there. 
Well, no, the first, first four picks. All right, no, 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 hold on. So the first four picks, they get five balls apiece, right? Okay. And then the rest of the teams get two balls apiece. Spin it like that. You know what I mean? So where it's like, look, it, it stops choking. I mean, it stops like, uh, not choking, I apologize. It stops tanking and just lobbying to try to like, you know, lottery that first pick. Where right. it's actually like, look, we suck. Yeah, I, I did lobby to kind of tank a little bit at the end of the season, right? But I just wanted those percentages. Doesn't mean you're necessarily going to get the first, second, or third pick. You know what right. I mean? But you'll, you'll, at a point where percentage-wise, you're going to be there by the ball ratio. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's three. All right, so how many teams were there? 16 teams? 14. 14. So outside of the top four, right, every team gets a ball. Not two. They get one ball. So five through uh, 14 gets one ball, right? Okay. And uh, one through four gets five balls each. Because then it's fair. One team could have tanked more than the other. One team wasn't trying to tank. No, but you all you all get five balls. Okay, well, then if you're doing that, then I think there needs to be like, all right, for example, with the Lakers, they've made that trade with the Pelicans where as if they ended up having to give up the first round pick, but they only had to give it up where if it was if the pick was in the top ten. I feel as though and I get and I get well, then, the, then the, actually then actually that, that worked. Well see, but here's what I'm saying. Like, I, I get why you make that trade, why you like you know, you bank on that, but I feel like okay, if you want to trade your first round pick you can. But Depending on how your year goes, if your pick ends up within that top ten, you can't. It, 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 it's yours. Like, like, like it needs to be protected because you need to have some kind of security net. We'll see. Then oh. keep keep the top four, but you're guaranteed a pick in the top ten. Like so, like you know how Oklahoma City has you know two picks. Right. That's another ball. So, like, when you acquire a pick, like, you have the opportunity to set yourself like set yourself up in a way like the NFL does, right? Where you can trade a bunch of players and shit like that and retain draft picks and all these draft picks, and then, like, you chain them together within three years, right? So, in the NBA, at a lottery system, say you traded and you got three, three balls, right? So, now that year, you may not be... The, like the worst team, right? But you're in that bracket of 14, but you know you have four balls in the mix. Right. So then that that can make it more competitive where people will actually trade to accumulate balls. Like, all right, after being the shittiest, all right, the fifth worst team down to 14 gets one ball. But you can trade. To acquire more, more balls. Like Oklahoma City, you had two picks. They acquired that. Right. Right. So they get a first. They get the, they get the second round pick and they get the twelfth. Like they set themselves up for that. But if they tweak that system, that can be even more influential. And I think after the first round, everybody else should be everybody else like it, like. Once you do that lottery of the fourteen, 
Right. After the first round, everybody it goes it goes in order again, and everybody else gets a pick too. Or what? Or what about? The top fourteen teams get a pick in the first round, but the teams that make the that everybody else that makes the playoffs, or, or I don't know. We were talking about it the other day off, off the air. Where but I like, think, yeah, but I think you're thinking too much into it. The way I just said is simple. First round is is for the is for the fourteen teams each year. But all right, so the, all right, so from. Five to fourteen, they get one ball in this lottery, right? So they get a first round draft pick no matter what. But they can lobby to potentially get a first round pick or a second or, or a third or yeah. fourth. Right? Well, well there's only two rounds, but what about this? What about the fourteen teams like you said picking every year in the first round? But everybody else doesn't get to pick in the first round. And then in the second round, you just reverse it. The teams that didn't pick in the first round, they get to go. They all get to go first. And the teams that pick in the first round, they pick last. See, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not biased to that. I like that, but I think for the sake of it, of building the league from bottom tier up, you gotta stick with, you know, Magic first round, first pick. Net, like you know, those fourteen teams. Next round, Magic first round pick, and then the rest of the league, right? And then. That's it. That's done. But I think increasing, whichever way they want to work it. But I think those those bottom tier four teams, each get a higher percentage than the rest of them. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so it's it's fair in that aspect. Like, yo, we're giving you five out of like fourteen. Like, like we're giving you odds on this, and the odds are in your favor. Right. But there's two or three other teams that have the same odds. That did just as shitty or or slightly better or slightly worse than you. So it's all fair and fair, you know. Even if you tank, you still have a risk. Right. Or if you're just trying to build organically and naturally, you know, it'll come. But I do think you should be able to trade your your your, uh, your percentages, like you know, each ball. I mean. So each like let's just say those four teams. Well, the top four teams have a, they each have a fourteen percent chance to get the number one pick. All right, so here's the way you do it. The top the top four worst teams get ten balls, right? Each, the rest of the teams get six balls, right? And you can trade, right? So this is fair. It's working on a percentage of a hundred percent, and you roll that bitch and you pull it out, right? And that's how it goes. Once that's done, it follows suit. Two rounds, three rounds, you're done, right? So the one, the the. The top four teams have an advantage of a 40% chance, right? Because they have four more balls. Yeah. Right? Ten balls, each four. Like, so what would it be? Oklahoma City, Orlando Magic. Hold on. What are those teams? 
Magic Thunder Rockets Kings. Right? So they all have 10 balls. Right? And the rest of them. Now, Oklahoma City was able to add another ball in. So they have 11. Yeah, they have uh, they have two and eleven. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, so, they're no, they're at twelve. They're at two yeah. and twelve. So basically, they have a chance to capture two top four picks, right, with an extra ball, extra percentage. Right. So that means you would you would you would create such a fucking stir of like, yo, we traded these picks and we we got these guys, we did decent, but in this year's lottery, everybody else got ten balls and we got fifteen. Yeah. So it's like you telling me I can draw the first pick, right? And then the second pick? And then potentially the third? Off percentage-wise? And it's all fair and fair. It's a lottery. I think that would bring more excitement. If they did, if they could work a system like that, where you can trade, you know, your percentage of picks in, in, in the lottery. Right. Yeah, I mean, a lottery is what? Numbers, right? So basically, replacing the number with emblems, but it's all still numbers. Right. All right, so we'll move on to our big hate it or love it for this week. And that is hate it or love it, LeBron James. Danny, if you'd be much obliged, and open us, open us up. I hate it. I mean, well, tell, he, tell me why you truly hate it. Well, when he originally came to the league, I was fine. Like you know, I liked him in Cleveland, everything, you know, hometown, all that. Didn't like the spectacle when he left to Miami, and then just from there, I just, I just never been a fan of him. You know, I just, I could just never wipe my hands clean of, of, of just, I don't know, I just, just. And then what really makes it worse is the fact that he went to the Lakers. And that decision, along with other decisions, have fucked the Lakers at the moment. You know, they don't have a first-round pick this year. All right, so that's that's an outside factor, that which I didn't account for. You know what I mean? Him playing for the Lakers. You know what I mean? Like, if he was playing for, like, you know, fucking... If he was still in Miami or if he was someone else, I, you know. Or Cleveland. Yeah, I would still hate it, but there wouldn't be as much hate. Because, like, oh, now you, oh, now you go to the Lakers, oh, and you give us a, a, a weak, fake-ass championship in the bubble that I don't even, like, I'm, I don't even qualify as a championship in my book. Yeah, that's, that's not and, any and championship. Then, and then because the decisions that need to be made and, you know, want to bring other guys in and, you know, whatever and fucking... And then you end up not having any picks in this year's draft, and it's like. All right, so you you have logic behind behind your argument, a hundred percent. You're a Laker fan. Killed that franchise. Yeah, I mean, you killed you killed the franchise by your personal suggestion moves and whatever the the franchise did to accommodate that. And now Genie's got to resurrect it somehow. Yeah, um, for me. Look, I love it. I love LeBron James. Right? I love what he's doing at his age and, and, and how long he's played. 
and how effective he's been since day one, right? And then grew and grew. Now I have, as you would call, sad points or like what the fuck moments or the whole spectacle of I'm going to Miami, South Beach, and then the one, the two, the three, the four, the five, the six, the seven, the eight, right? right? Now, he's been humbled, so this is why I love it, right? You go to do all that, you go to the finals the first year, and Dirk Nowitzki and Jason Kidd pull it out from underneath you, right? That was awesome. Exactly. Now, the next year... You win it against Oklahoma City, a young team that's not ready. You know, you do whatever, you lose the mind, you know, whatever. Then you go back to Cleveland, which I can respect. So, yeah, they, 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 they had, they had, um, they had, um, they played the Spurs, too. Well, their final, yeah, they beat the Spurs at a, at, you know, the Spurs at a, at an old age team. I mean, but Popovich had them popping. Still, that was a great series. It was, it was, you know what I mean? Uh, and, and let's not forget in Miami that uh, the first the first win to get there was Ray Allen who saved them. Without Ray Allen, they don't get there. Yeah. LeBron put up two bricks. You know, no, Bosch put up a brick, then LeBron put up a brick. Then they got the rebound pass to fucking Allen. Ray Ray saved them in the corner. And what have yeah. we been saying since for like the past 10 years now? Stephen Curry's surpassed, you know, uh, Ray Allen, you know, points and three-pointers, but we know who the OG is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you were picking Definitely. if you were picking somebody to shoot a corner three. Game or, on the line. Or a three in general game on the line. Ray Allen's one of the guys you pick. No, I, no honestly, like, that's that's my pick. That's my pick. Down by two, corner three, seven seconds left. Or anywhere. 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 He don't miss. He don't miss. Like that whole Snoop Dogg meme, like, that motherfucker don't miss. Right. He don't. Now, yeah. like, to, to the point of LeBron, like, to go back to Cleveland, all right, you want to mend fences. And you did. You had Kyrie. You won a championship. You beat a great team in Golden State. Yeah, you know I mean, props to you. Now you want to leave? He, he he did go to like six or seven straight NBA Finals, or whatever it was. Yeah, but at that point, dude, just stay 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 where you're from, man. Become the legend that you are. Finish like, Cleveland. Yeah, you know I mean. The Bulls didn't fucking, you know, I mean, Bulls fan didn't hate fucking Jordan for coming back and playing with the Magic. They were just like, awesome, we get to see fucking Jordan again. Right. While we fucking suck ass. You know what I mean? Cleveland fans, I think, would appreciate that more. Like, that that wound of him, I'm going to South Beach and talking all that shit and doing what he did. I think, minus the Laker thing, I, w I, w I would love it fully. You know what I mean? You did yeah. right, LeBron. You know what I mean? In a sports round way. And mind you, all these decisions when he was young, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, but the move to LA, if he if he goes on to another team, then my my love it goes to hate it. 
You're doing too much. You're doing way too much. I, I just, I'll, I'll just ultimately feel better once he's gone. Just. Hopefully, you come up with something. Bro. Yeah. All right, guys, we're moving into a. a oh, excuse me. Into a different segment. We're gonna try this one. Uh, we want you guys to, you know, comment on the Twitter. Let us know what. Uh, what you want from this segment? And this segment's called Top Five Dead or Alive, right? And we're doing quarterbacks from the NFL. Okay, this is our top five dead or alive. You guys can submit your own to the D and D, you know, sportcast page. You know, we can bring it up. We can talk about it. Who has the best top five dead or alive? Uh, but we want to do different positions, different sports. So let us know. So. I'm going to lead it off, Danny. And number one, I have Tom Brady. Sorry. Just got to be there. It has to. You know it does. Yeah. You know it does. You know what I mean? Number two, I had the OG Peyton Manning. Uh, number three, I had Joe Montana. You know, number four, Roger Storbeck. May argue me on that, but it's the Hail Mary God right there. And then number five, this is going to be controversial. A lot of people are not going to like this, but me personally, this is why he's on my top five dead or alive, is George Blanda. He played for the Raiders. He was a quarterback. He played till he was like 45, 46, I believe. And he was the quarterback and the place kicker. He still, to this day, has the record for most points in a month by a player. So, check yourself out the door before you question me. Danny, it's on you. Dead or alive? Top five. All right, so the first three are the same guys as you. I just have them in a different order. Joe Montana is number one for me. Tom Brady is number two. So now, why would Joe? All right, so Joe Montana would be number one for you because he went undefeated in the Super Bowl. No, but um, you know, honestly, it's like you're an uh, asshole. I just gave you the perfect out. I well, gave you the perfect out, so you didn't seem like a douchebag hater. <laughs> I no, gave you the perfect out. I gave you the perfect guy. I said, yo, so you mean like Joe was undefeated, Tom had like two, three losses? No. It's just after, because of how long that whole dynasty and that whole thing ran off, eventually, it's like, you know, it's like, you know, what they say, eventually you stick around long enough, you live long enough to whatever, you become the villain or some shit. Yeah, but see, that's the difference. That's, that's Tom Brady. Tom Brady became the villain as soon as he stepped in the league. Yeah, but in the beginning, the first two or three, I didn't care. I didn't mind. Like, like, I, like you know, dope. But to, as that kept dragging on and the, the going for the perfection and all that, I'm just like, yo, like, I, I can't stand this. Yeah, but, yeah but he came up short. It, it still, it's just, I'm like, no. I, so, and because, honestly, i seen that um, documentary thing about Joe Montana on, uh, I think it was Peacock or Amazon or whatever it was. And I'm sitting there, I'm watching that, and like, and then, like you said, with the with the undefeating the Super Bowl, but just like I'm watching that, I'm like, yo, Joe Montana would have been fucking awesome to to watch back then. 
Like, just the way Jerry that Rice. always the constant battle, always having to really compete, no one ever really believing in him, and then, well, you throw him in a game, he fucking wins you the championship. Oh, well, he doesn't start next year. Midway right. through the start, he brings you to the check. Like, 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 just, I was, like, related to that better. Like, that, like, I would have definitely enjoyed watching that growing up if I was... I'm gonna tell you this: Who is ever watching? If you if you're gonna watch, I'm gonna clip it myself, because what you just said was a, essentially Tom Brady's story. Drafted 155th, doesn't look good combine wise. Nobody believes in him, but once he steps on the field, he wins. Yeah, but once he stepped on the field, he started. He, he he was he was never not the starter ever again unless he got hurt or he was suspended. So was Tom Brady. No no I'm saying that with Brady he when he once he started unless he was hurt or he got suspended he straight played. What Montana he wasn't always the guaranteed starter year in and year out. And then compete with competing with Steve Young at the end of his career. Yeah, but then he went to Kansas City. He almost got Kansas City a Super Bowl, but he fell short. Tom, me, like me, I don't give a fuck. Yeah, but Tom, yeah, but Tom did that and won. I'm just not putting Tom on. All right, fine. Fuck you then. Hate me, love me, I don't give a shit. Tweet right. me, debate me, I don't give a fuck. All right, so who, who you got at number four and five? Number three, well, three is obviously Payne Manning. Four, Terry Bradshaw, and five, Dan Marino. All right, I'm not mad at that. Alright, so we're going to move on to the MLB standings. Danny, uh, you're going to launch us into that? Yes, sir. Alright, I'll be right back. So there's games going on at the moment, but currently, as we sit here now, in the American League Central, the Twins, they're 22-16. and 16. They're in first. They have a three-game lead over the Chicago White Sox. The Yankees are in first in the American League East. They're 27-9. and nine. They have a five-game lead over the Tampa Bay Rays. In the American League West, the Astros are in first. They're 24-14. They have a half-game lead on the Angels. League, the Brewers are first in the National League Central. They're 24 and 14. They have a three. They have a three-game lead over the Cardinals. In the East, the Mets are in first. They're 24 and 14. They have a six-game lead over the Marlins. And in the National League West, the Dodgers are in first. They're 25 and 12. They have a game and a half lead over the Padres. So for the most part, I mean, aside from, like I said, I know I did pick Atlanta as being first in this in this division. You know, even though I didn't expect them to win the World Series again because it's hard for teams to repeat in baseball. But, you know, and granted it's still early. We did see how far the Mets got last year before they lost first place. So I'm, I'm just going to wait on, on this before I really start talking. Like, let's just see how that rides. The Dodgers... Yeah, I predicted they'd be in first for the most part, but the Padres and Giants would definitely be there. Well, I, I, still, I still ultimately believe Tampa Bay is going to take the East. And the yeah. West, 
I mean, Houston is already in the driver's seat. I mean, they don't, they don't have game up. Yeah, yeah, but can, yeah, but can can L.A. All right, barring a trade right now with their lineup, keep pace with Houston. Dude, they already had it. If they're healthy. If they're healthy, but they already had a lead on them, and it was erased within like weeks. So, we'll see. We'll see where they are. And then the AL Central, fucking. Uh, I mean Minnesota. We like we were looking at them in high regard, and they're playing like it. I mean, well, Chi- I, Chicago I is. Because I just felt like that young team was going to be able to do it. No, I mean, but Minnesota, they're coming into their own. They're fine. They're only eighteen, eighteen. They're five hundred. They're only, well, like, two and a half out. Yeah, no, being two and a half out right now out of thirty six games, it's not bad. No, but I honestly didn't really see Minnesota there. I kind of saw Minnesota at two or three. I mean, we both. I, I mean, I picked the White Sox, but I, I would. I like we talked about it. I wouldn't be surprised if Minnesota was ready already. Yeah, I mean they're young too. I mean they definitely sustained some, you know some injuries last year, but. You know, I mean, so that's why I had a bigger question mark going into this year. And then to see how early on the White Sox had sustained some injuries. But it, look, I don't know. I don't know who they were. I don't know, if, um, uh, you know who's back and who's not. But, I mean, looking at them being three out and they're 18 and 18, it does look like it's... it's no, no, we're, we're, we're going to see so, what yeah. type of team they're at by 70 games. Right we're going to find out who they are. Now, Minnesota, we're going to find out also who they are. Now, they're starting off hot within, like, the first 37, 38 games, which right. is, it, like, everything we're talking about and, and like, you acknowledge, and we and, and when we talk about it, it is, is young. There's crucial months in baseball. And, and what we've noticed is June, August, and then late September, early October. Yeah, July's kind of that up in the air month because the trade deadline is, you know, looming. And the, yeah. the trade deadline is now, I think, uh, August 1st, I think. And then August is like, for me, is like almost like a cruise mode for the league. Everybody, like, plays favorable, mm-hmm. favorable matchups. So sure. where, where there's a possibility of going 500 or plus. Certain teams might be in kind of that cruise mode, like, okay, like we got a 12-game lead. All right. We don't have to play spectacular, but if we play 500 the rest of the, rest of the way, we should be fine. Well, I'm talking about like almost like a, a wild card team, Danny. Like, um, that's that's going to be more, you know, it's, it's going gonna, it's, it's, it's gonna to be Yeah, gonna, yeah, be, yeah, but it's really, like, really have to keep the pedal to the metal. Yeah, but like I'm saying, like August and July are your like cruise modes. Where teams like kind of like cruise through it and try to like break five hundred almost, right? That's the that's like the minimum goal: break five hundred or break a little bit ahead, and then All September. Five tier team. They want to try to get back to five hundred and, and finish. Exactly. And, and so, it's, and starting, so that's like two months not, of baseball no. that are coasting. But I know, like what we're talking about, we're talking about the first two months. The first two months are vital. Those first forty to fifty games are vital. The next 50 is a crunch. Like, that's vital. The next the next 30 is a coast. 
almost the 40 is a coach the last 20 to 30 games that's a crunch like you're you're going for the gusto right so i think for like the mets right now like the lead they have i think they need a build right they need a build and and the the larger they build it the longer it goes on by like those coast months if you can reach july right coasting at like a five to six game lead and make a trade to help you whatever it is right you should you guys should keep pace right. you'll have your dips but you'll keep pace for the Yankees I don't know if the, if a trade moves in the future I, I don't think it does the way they play I think they're gonna just double I down looking for more pitching for sure possibly that but nothing like drastic you know what I mean nothing out of the, out of the wall I don't know, honestly, I think depending on where they are, they might be looking at another starter, another top-tier starter. <sighs> but, I mean, look, you have a good offense, but you're going to need, pitching is what's going to keep you alive. Especially if your bats go stagnant. Yes. So, all right. I can, I can agree with that, but they need to... you can't hurt with too much pitching. Yes, but, all right, the reason why I said earlier why the Mets are better than the Yankees and hotter than the Yankees and just a better team. The Yankees are working with big hitters, right? You guys have big hitters in respect to Mets, but you guys play better ball. From what I've seen and from what you've seen, the Mets cold-heartedly has been playing better baseball. Batting-wise, maybe not so much the pitching-wise, but Pitching good enough to where your offense can sustain. I mean, yes, the Yankees have a better record, but it doesn't, you know. I don't care about that better record, and that better record is like about a game or a game and a half. Well, they're, 20, they're currently 27 and 9, the Mets are 24 and 14, so. Well, also, we, we have to talk about this. The AL, the American League, is stronger than the, than the National Especially with the universal DH now. You know yeah. I mean? Like, you guys in your division is more... The next 30 games for that division is crucial. We're going to see who is who in the NL East, right? In the West, we know who already is going to be there. It's going to be the yeah. Dodgers, Padres, and San Francisco, right? Central, it's either going to be Milwaukee or St. Louis. Chicago, Pittsburgh, and Cincinnati, they don't got it. We already know this. Yeah. Right? So now the AL, it's, it's, the AL East is basically your chunk of playoff teams, right? So the AL West, it's either going to be LA or Houston. Most likely Houston, right? The AL Central, uh, Minnesota or Chicago, right? So either one of those teams, right? Yeah. Do those teams compete with what the East has in terms of record-wise and wild-card-wise? Yeah. It's definitely going to be a fun race coming down the end. Uh, the stretch run at the end of the season, for sure. I think it's, it's definitely going to be really competitive. Definitely. Very exciting. Playoff baseball and September baseball is always more fun than regular season like this. 
Oh yeah, well, like this next month is gonna be crucial for the whole entire league. Like literally the entire league. Not the entire league, but like certain. No, teams. no, no. This entire month, like the month of June, rolling into the first week of July, is gonna be so vital to the to to what we're looking at as in standings. Like we're gonna see, like everything's almost like middle wise. We can see like Washington at twelve and twenty six, right? And Cincinnati at ten and twenty six. Right? We know that they're out, right? Exactly. But Atlanta, Miami, Philly. So I'm saying certain teams other teams that don't even matter. Yeah, but, matter yeah, but the bulk of the league, this next thirty to forty games matters the most. Half. No, we're gonna see like out of these next forty games, we're gonna see who's gonna be in contention and who's not. So you gotta pick take two teams out there. Two, take two teams out of each division. So that's two, four, six. That's 12 teams. You know, so let's make it 16 because wild card or whatever. Okay. So 16 out of the 30 teams in baseball for the next 30 days, their schedule, their games are going to be most, most important. Yes. Yeah. We're going to see who's a real contender and who's not. Who just had a good start or who had a bad start. Like, that's what's going to break down for the schedule. Yeah. All right, now we're going to move on to a little bit of baseball news as concerned to the New York Yankees pitcher Nestor Cortez for his racial slurs 10 years ago in tweets. Nothing demoralizing or, or racist-driven, but used out of context and inappropriately. Yeah. Now it's funny that it comes out when he's absolutely shitting on the league, you know, this is what we have to deal with in sports nowadays. This is why I wish people would look at sports from our angle. Look, we're going to give you the stats and we're going to give you what we think about your play. What you do outside of what you do professionally is none of our fucking business. Yeah. And we'll be the first ones to tell you how you treat your family. We've done some crazy shit. No, but that's none of our business. Yeah. None of our business, and it'll always and forever be none of our fucking business. And yeah. we'll stay true to that forever, no matter what. And I guarantee you, we're the only ones in this fucking clog of a machine that's going around around us that'll stick to it. I'm more concerned about how you play on the field than what you do in your personal time, because that's your yeah. personal time. It's called personal for a reason. If you don't understand that, and you're a fucking dickhead. And you get what you deserve. It's not my fucking problem. Like you know, he like like, and it wasn't even serious. Like he was he was talking amongst his friends or whatever. Like and that was years ago. Exactly. Like, and and the world was different then than it is now. And we're not the same people we were ten years ago. Like anybody like, was. You really have the time. Like the person that did this. Like you really have the time to sit there and go that far back into this person's life. Yeah. And, and this. Like, how? Why? Like, 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 it doesn't make any fucking sense. It's stupid. Like, like, it, like it just, what it, does this guy somehow do to you for you to, for, for, to warrant you now 
to dig deeper into his like ten years ago on Twitter and find that tweet. No, like his goal was reached as soon as he went and looked for it. Like we know yeah. that, Danny. He he may have came out with his like thirty followers and be like, "This is not my intention," but hey, take a look at this. Come on, Doug. You know what you were doing. And we don't even really touch things like this. If you've noticed, if you listen to our show, we don't touch these political shit things. And we're just gonna touch it for a quick minute, like like we just did, and that's it. Look, he did what he did. Now he shouldn't lose his career, but maybe he should shut his fucking mouth. That's all on him. Okay, that's his mistake for sharing a portion of his life with society and thinking it wasn't gonna catch up. That's the only thing we can fault him for. Okay? Right. So, people that, like younger kids that are listening or anybody listening, keep your mouth shut. In that retrospect, if you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say it at all. Unless you're going to say it in a nice, friendly way. Like, you're a fucking suck-ass player. Unless, unless you're really going to unveil some, like, really, like, interesting yeah, but, yeah, but, shit. Yeah, but that's not our MO. We don't do that. Well, I get it, but like, unless like someone's gonna like release like some interesting shit, like really, like oh what up, I like, like really like oh yeah, all right, well, all right. So what? Now I just said that. Now what are you gonna fucking like? What in ten years someone's gonna go back and look at this video? Like oh look. Or are you gonna try to cancel us now? We're not using it in the context of that, and we don't even say that word. We're oh, saying on his behalf like, of what he said. It's just ridiculous. It, it's ridiculous. Like like. This is why we curse and this is why we, the way we are. We're going to keep it honest with you. Look, if athletically we think you're not doing your job and you suck, we're going to call you out on it. We're not going to call you out on your character or your personality. We don't fucking know you. Right. So now whatever the media reports, we give everybody the same fair chance as we do everybody else. I mean, we don't know. And we yeah. probably will never know unless we got to sit down with one of these people. Now, if that was the case, then maybe we can learn a little bit. Other than that, we're here to cover sports. Not food, not politics, not behavior. Stats. Stats, games, opinions, sports. Yeah. If you want to go listen to the big head olive guy on fucking 98.7 in, in New Jersey... ESPN Radio at 4 to 7 with his fucking bald ass friend and, and the only knowledgeable guy named fucking Donald. Oh shit. <laughs> go ahead. You'll find out where to go have a flea market. You'll find out where to go get a hot dog, but you won't know what the fuck is going on. Oh, by the way, you'll get to talk to Aaron Boone every, every fucking Thursday at 5 and he'll tell you the fucking same shit any manager would tell you. Yeah, the guys look good. Are they mad when I arrest them? Yeah, they're a little pissed, but, you know, we're good. Playing defense, stealing, hating. Like, I don't need Aaron. We, we don't need Aaron Boone here or fucking Big Head K or fucking bald George Costanza fucking Rosenberg. I mean, look, you can bring in these guys. Like, you know, like, like, like you said, yeah, every Thursday at 5. Like, really? Why every Thursday at 5? Like, no, it's not, not every Thursday. It's, it's every Monday through Friday from three to seven. You know what I mean? But they barely talk about sports. Like, they, they they talk about points that are relevant, like the hot points, right? Yeah. Other shows get in-depth. We get in-depth. So, you may not like us. Hey, we really don't give a shit. But if you want to watch, 
Watch. No? Have a nice day. Have a nice day. We're not changing who we are. We're not talking about all the bullshit. You know what I mean? Nestor Cortez, that's his That's his situation. How he handles it and what, what, what goes on further, that's on him. Yep. We're here to cover sports. Okay? Absolutely. So if another fucking O.J. Simpson pops up, don't come in the chat or don't come on live and be like, what do you think? I'm like, I don't think shit. Moving on. How did you do last year? How many touchdowns did he have? And we'll be moving on till next week. Thank you guys. We appreciate you guys coming out, listening to us. We yes, appreciate sir. the few viewers popping in. Hope you guys pop in more. We'll be doing more things. We will see you next week. Have a good weekend. It's Peace. been real. It's been fun. But it hasn't been real fun. <laughs>